Hello and welcome dreamers to episode 5 of the Dreamcast Years podcast. Uh, this is the OG show where we cover one of the golden years of gaming uh, in each episode, uh, bringing you all the nostalgia you could ever want or need, maybe. Uh, we've left the 90s well and truly behind us, and this time we'll be taking a look at 2001. Honestly, I feel like it wasn't all that long ago, and um, then I count out on my fingers how many years that was and realise I don't have enough fingers to do that, and I feel sad and old. He. Uh, anyway, enough of the self-pity. Uh, I know you're only here for the song puns, pure and simple, and uh, you can't get them out of your head. So uh, let me make you whole again. Um, do you really like it, though? Is it is it wicked? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I've gone too far. It wasn't me. Um, I'll stop. I'll stop. Wow. Just long enough wow. to introduce. Sorry. I'll introduce the folk who are joining me. Uh, let's get rolling. Uh, oh, first my off, word. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's just some really good songs this year. I had to bring them up. Um, first off, uh, give it up for the Sonic fan who's coming off the massive high of winning Game of the Year 2000 with his Shenmue pitch. It's the wonderful Rich. How are you? Hello, Andrew. I'm very good. Thank you very much. Awesome. My celebration Lager here. Celebration Lager? What yeah, kind lager. of lager have you got? I've got a um, Dancing Beer by Magic Rock Brewing. It's actually mm. nice, unlike most lagers. I thought you were about to say he's actually dancing. I was like, that'd be a, a neat trick. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, so next up is the man who doesn't shy away from potentially divisive opinions and who will be experiencing his first pitching handicap in our next Game of the Year edition episode. Uh, it's the steviest of Steves. It's Steve. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. I am indeed Hi. the steviest of Steves. You really are. Yes. Never did Steve. Are you drinking anything interesting this evening? Uh, uh, water. So water. No. <laughs> no. Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Um, so, our guest this week um, has a Dreamcast. I think. Uh, pretty sure he likes games. Uh, I kid. Um, <laughs> this guy is a gamer, Nintendo fan, and recent Fire Emblem convert. Uh, he's also a rapper, a father, and a bloody good bloke. Uh, no, this isn't his audition reel for Nintendads. It's uh, that their guy from the Switch Island, Ben. How's it going? Hello. Yeah, good. Thank you. Interesting, interesting intro. Thank you. Yeah. I, I am technically a gamer. I do play the odd game. Occasionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Post-2001. Um, Yes. Yeah. Uh, cool. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that sets it really well for today then. Mm-hmm. Um, so wonderful. Right. Um so the first thing that we uh, do usually on the OG is to ask our guest what their favourite Dreamcast game is. Uh, however, last time I completely forgot to ask Tom Charnock, uh, Tom frigging Charnock, uh, for crying out loud, um, what his favourite Dreamcast game is. Uh, luckily, I have him on speed dial and he's agreed to tell us all about his favourite game on the Dreamcast. Uh, so let's hand over to him now. Hi, this is Tom from the Dreamcast Junkyard and Andrew asked me to speak a little bit about my favourite Dreamcast game. Uh, It's not actually a Dreamcast exclusive, it's a game that's also on the Nintendo 64, but I believe that the Dreamcast version is probably the best version out there, and that game is Rush 2049. I was a big fan of the previous San Francisco Rush games on the Nintendo 64. I know they're kind of seen as a bit naff, but there's there's something about them that I really liked. I liked the lengthy championship modes and the way that there was 
so much to do in each of the different tracks. There were little things to find, little shortcuts to find, little hidden areas. There was the collecting aspect of the game as well. And that was really brought over to San Francisco Rush 2049, but with a whole new aesthetic, with you know the futuristic setting. Um, I just really enjoyed the, the world that the game was set in, these kind of massive futuristic cityscapes, almost weirdly empty, but still with these cars racing around and creating mayhem all over the all of the different districts of San Francisco. It was a quite a nice look at a future that wasn't kind of dystopian, if that makes sense. Going back to the actual game though, I just really enjoyed the racing. It's just pure arcade racing fun. The races themselves, they are quite tight, even against the AI. Not to mention there's a great uh, four-player split-screen mode. There's a stunt mode that can take hours of your time away. There's quite a lot of content in the game. And for me, yeah, it's just not only is it for me the best racing game on the Dreamcast, it's just my favourite Dreamcast game. So yeah, like I say, it's not an exclusive, but for me, it's just pure arcade thrills. Wonderful. Thank you, Tom. And uh, now we can move on and ask our current guest what their favourite Dreamcast game is. Uh, Ben, do you even have a Dreamcast? I do bloody well have a Dreamcast, thank you very much. Yes. Um, I know you do, I'm only kidding. I've sent you a picture of me hugging Shenmue before, if you recall. I know know you have. That was a great picture. That's proof. Um, Yeah, Shenmue would be up there, but I feel like that's probably got enough coverage on this podcast (laughs) over the last few weeks. Um, So my, probably my favourite Dreamcast game, and it is a tricky one, um, I think probably Virtua Tennis. Is probably the game that I put the most time into. Um, okay. I just, and it is so good, even now, it is the most playable tennis game, if not sports game. It's just, the, the controls are just absolutely tuned perfectly. And um, mm. yeah, I could quite happily just play a like for like port of that on a modern system and it would, it would nice. hold up today. Um, in fact, I even uh, sent in a virtual tennis based question or, or letter to the official dreamcast magazine oh wow uh and it got published um oh and that was right. the one with with shenmue on the front cover um <sighs> and i've got it somewhere somewhere in my mum and dad's loft um that's but, amazing yeah that was the first time ever getting published in in anything and uh it was just a huh. yeah it was a silly silly little letter but yeah that's so that's that holds a special place because of that as well but yeah wow. And this was the first game rather than the second one, right? The the first virtual tennis. Yeah, yeah, the first one. I'm not sure if I ever played the second one, to be honest. Yeah. But um Yeah, I've still got That's... the first one. In my Dreamcast collection, which That's I have. Some... Which you have, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> um, you showed us a picture of your collection the other day, actually, your your game collection, and there was plenty of Dreamcast games in it, so mm. yeah. Legitimate. Exactly. exactly. Legitimate. And that's pretty awesome as well. I don't, somebody's actually been published in a Dreamcast magazine. Uh, we've not had that yet. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Mm. I'll have to dig it out. It was, I think it was something to do with, uh, in their Virtual Tennis review, they they took the piss out of, Jim, is it Jimmy Connors, the tennis player, ginger guy? And they, the they, wrong person. They yeah. called him something sort of uh, derogatory towards redheaded people. Oh. And I, and I <gasps> wrote a letter in, in kind of mock uh, anger. Uh, the fact that they'd done that because my girlfriend oh, at the wow. time was ginger, um, <laughs> so I just yeah did that and yeah they published it which was nice, amazing yeah cool virtual tennis good pick good mm. pick it's a very good game, um awesome okay 
Uh, well, I mean, we've got plenty of other games to talk about, so um, let's let's get back on track. Um, what we do here usually is have a quick look back at the year 2000, which means, Ben, you get to have a, a bit of a say about some of the games that came out then. And we also have a bit of a flash forward uh, to 2002 as well. So um, let's start with a flashback. Uh, 2000 was, of course, a vintage year. Uh, we had the wonderful Shenmue. You shush, Steve. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> we also had uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica, uh, Jet Set Radio, Diablo 2, Vagrant Story, Counter-Strike, Crazy Taxi, Majora's Mask. Uh, is there anything there that stands out for you, Ben? Um, to be honest, Counter-Strike, because I'd never heard mm, of it yes. prior to listening to your last episode. You've never heard of it. I've literally never heard of it before, and I was like, (laughs) "What? What the hell is that?" And then you, the way you were describing it, it was like, "No, this is a really important game that everyone's heard of." I was just like, "Was I just living under a rock for twenty years? Um, Possibly." Did you not have the internet then? (laughs) Apparently not. No, or any friends to tell me what games to play. (laughs) So, uh, wow, wow, that's very. And I was like, "Right, I, I obviously need to look into that because it's clearly quite a." important game um mm. and still mm. to this day by the sound of it so yeah that one that one jumped out at me but uh yeah gosh it was a good year shenmue shenmue was the one for me though yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it was a it was a great game and i stand by i stand by uh-huh. Rich on that one i'm afraid steve sorry <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, like forming sides here now like there's going to be the, the rich team side rich. And steve side <laughs> team <Yeah>. rich <laughs> um uh, Steve, Rich, is there anything that we didn't cover that you kind of wanted to bring up or were you all good on the 2000 front? Um, I don't think so. I think we did a good job last yeah. time. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Old rivalries re-emerging. Do you want to have a bit of a fight about Shenmue? Indeed. <laughs> no. Stop trying to get us to fight about Shenmue. Never. never. <laughs> I've already won. I can't remember. Did, did you guys cover Metropolis Street Racer on your 2000 episode? I don't think we did, you know. I, I, no, I don't think. No. Uh, well, actually, I think I think Tom might have mentioned it actually, because I think we mentioned the soundtrack, didn't we? I mean, that was yeah, really. such a good game, though. So so cool, and the whole kudos yeah. system, and you know, having to drive oh, yeah, stylishly. Yeah. That was uh, mm. Mm. yeah, that was that was a very important game as well. Loved it. Uh, okay, uh, let's uh, let's move on then. Um, uh, so 2002 was a little bit of a sad year. Uh, the last big Dreamcast games got released in, in this year in the UK. Uh, but we also got introduced to brand new consoles as well. Um, the big games of this year uh, were Res, uh, Fantasy Star Online version 2, uh, Final Fantasy X, uh, the Resident Evil remake, Eternal Darkness, uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, Ico, Halo Combat Evolved, I could go on and on. There, there is just a lot in that year. Um, anything, anything stand out for anybody from two thousand and two? I mean, yeah, for me, straight away, just the launch of the Xbox. I mean, it is basically mm. the spiritual successor to the Dreamcast. I consider it the follow-up yes. to the Dreamcast. Look at the controller. Yeah, just the controller alone. It just even things like what Project Gotham that came along, and that kind of was a follow-on from MSR. It's just yeah. Mm. Ah, no, I love the original Xbox. Love it was a great console it, well it basically was i think anybody who loves the dreamcast would say uh the xbox and the 360 were kind of the next stage for that and mm. microsoft had like a lot to do with sega because they obviously had the windows ce operating system in dreamcast and they were quite close with sega by all accounts and they got a lot of sega ports and new sega games as mm. well on the original xbox like stuff that was originally meant to go to the dreamcast ended up going to the xbox like crazy taxi 3 um, gun valkyrie 
Shenmue 2, yeah, got ported over um, Panzer Dragoon Auto, was it? Is that right? Yeah. Auto, I think it was. So there was all these games that, that got that Sega gave to them, basically, um, as exclusives, which was pretty awesome, I think. Anybody else? Anybody else? In, anything else in 2002? Uh, yeah, uh, Morrowind came out in 2002. Oh, wow. That was a big game. Which, well, far from being the best Elder Scrolls game, it's sort of the first one that brought us, that took us towards, you know, Oblivion, and then obviously Skyrim, mm. which is the biggest Elder Scrolls. But um, yeah, uh, Hitman 2 also came out in that year, which is important to me. That yes. took Hitman 1 and turned it into something vaguely coherent and fun to play. <laughs> uh, so that was the start of something very special. But yeah, Also, Vice City, I know you've already mentioned it, but that game coming out was uh, was incredible. Mm-hmm. The fact that it came out so soon after Grand Theft Auto 3 yeah. um, as well, uh, shocking, because um, it's so much better than 3. Uh, and I sunk hundreds and hundreds of hours into that thing. It was great. You really did. I remember that quite quite, mm. quite vividly. Um, <laughs> Do you remember 2002 was the year of uh, BMX Triple X as well? That was a good game. Oh, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were being serious no, for a second. No, terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, okay. Uh, ben, anything stand out from what I read out or anything you know from 2002? No, I mean, I echo what Steve said about Vice City. I absolutely loved that game. And, you know, just yeah. the soundtrack, the whole, like, neon-soaked look of it. It was almost like mm-hmm. like being in Scarface. It was just yeah, incredible. Absolutely. absolutely loved that game. So, yeah, that, that mm. stuck out. Was, was this the year that Mario Sunshine came out? Ooh, I do you know what? I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. <clears throat> Sorry Possibly. to throw you under the bus there. It was. It was, a, yeah. it was around about that time. And uh, oh, really? Was and it? I yeah. I mean, it might be a, a year here or there, but uh, it was. I I really liked that game. I know it was pretty uh, maligned when it first came out because it was a bit rushed. But um, mm. yeah, if that was if it, if it did come out in 2002, then uh, that would be one then of my one. top picks. <laughs> yeah. That's any Mario game that I've never played, I think. I've played all the other ones, just not Sunshine. And uh, I would like to at some point. I know that, in uh, Ben, in your, you kind of gave me a list to check over for the podcast to see what, what released when. Um, mm. And Super, uh, was it Super Monkey Ball was one of yours? And that released in 2002 rather than 2001. So right. that would be up there. Was that, was, what one, was that one of the games that kind of you enjoyed yeah, back I, then? Yeah, that was a cool game. Um, just I like the, uh, the mini games that, that they had. It was just very... I think I played it. I would have been, yeah, at university at that time. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just a cool party game that you could just throw on. Anyone could play it, and um, yeah, it, yeah. And again, just holds up. Just Sega at their best, making something yeah. extremely wacky, and nobody else does it better than them. Even Nintendo, yeah. they it's like Sega go the extra mile just to make something utterly ridiculous. <clears throat> Let's put some monkeys in hamster balls. And have them, you know, parachuting, you know, stuff like that. Just brilliant stuff. Inspired. Super Monkey Ball was one of the very few games that gave me motion sickness. Really? Weirdly. Yeah, I don't know why. Games don't do that normally, but for some reason that one, I don't know why. I always really wanted to like that game, but I just felt ill whenever I played it. I don't know why. Very strange. Oh, God. Yeah. I I can't see why. It's quite, the camera's all over the place with it, so I can kind of see why. But yeah. Have they added uh, motion controls to the uh, new one? Was it HD Blitz? Was called or HD Blitz? No, they haven't. Oh, no, I, I mean, boggles the mind. I, it's re- it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I I got given a code for that for the Switch Island. Obviously, Ben, you kind of hooked me up with that. But I just <laughs> haven't played it much because the the lack of motion controls <clears throat> make it 
not good. Like it's a Wii port. It's a it's a port of a Wii game, and the Wii was a motion controlled console. So it's mm, just ridiculous. It, it doesn't play. It doesn't play that well at all. Um, I'm sure other people would disagree with me, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not that keen on it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Super Monkey Ball for me is it's Dreamcast. It's it's exactly the ethos of the Dreamcast, and it was obviously created around the same time. I think it was in development you know, as the Dreamcast was coming to an end. Um, so it kind of comes from that lineage, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Pretty great mm. game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 2002, all around pretty good. Pretty mm. good. So we've got yeah. a lot to talk about next time. Um, but we're not talking about it today, even though we've just dedicated probably 10 minutes to it. Um, so <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's take a look at the year that we are here to discuss. Uh, what was 2001 like? Well, let me tell you. Um, the year was, of course, dominated by the 9-11 attacks in New York. Uh, it's one of those horrendous events that we can all remember where we were exactly when it happened, uh, unless you were born after that year, in which case, damn you and your youth. Um, <laughs> lest we forget, lest we forget the foot and mouth outbreak that began oh, in January, sorry, in February of this year. <sighs> I always mention the happy things, don't I? Um, yeah, no, yeah. good. And uh, on that note, Barry George is sentenced to life for the murder of TV presenter Jill Dando <laughs> in July. <laughs> <laughs> God. And uh, Douglas Adams, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, passes away in the year 2001. Oh, keep it light, Andrew. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry for that. I, just, I feel like I'm just a, just a downer. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, try and, let's try and bring it back up again. Um, born this year uh, was someone that I'm currently obsessed with, uh, which is Billie Eilish. Um, she's born on December the 18th and has just won five Grammy Awards and is the newest artist tasked with creating mm. a Bond theme. Uh, I wish I was at, I wish I was that successful at 18. I wasn't. Um, have any of you heard of her? Is it just me who likes no, Billie Eilish? I've heard of her. No, I've heard of her. Yeah, good. She dresses weird. She does. Yeah, uh, yeah my, my six-year-old son uh, told me about her last weekend, in fact. So. Oh, wow. So there you go. <laughs> You guys should uh, kids. You guys should meet up and chat about her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I'll arrange, I'll arrange a play date. <laughs> okay, sounds fun. Um, Thank you for having uh, me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, sticking with the theme of music, um, you've already heard some of the titles of big songs from, from me, uh, but let's take a list of the uh, top 10 songs of the year here in the UK. Um, number one biggest song of uh, 2001 was Hole Again by Atomic Kitten uh, that absolute banger mm-hmm. um, number two was It Wasn't Me by Shaggy featuring Rick Rock uh, number three Kylie Minogue Can't Get You Out of My Head uh, number four and I don't think I remember this one DJ, G, the, DJ Otzi Hey Baby can't remember that for the life of me remember DJ Otzi um, but I don't remember mm, no. the song title no, it was number four from the year. I don't know. Uh, number five, um, S Club Seven, Don't Stop Moving. Uh, oh, number that, six that's is. That's a banger as well. That, that is a banger. Credit that's that's a legit banger. Yeah. <laughs> um, number six is one that I'm guessing everybody here knows, uh, which is Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, classic. Yeah, classic song. Um, number seven, Shaggy Again, featuring Ravon, uh, Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight song you mentioned last time, Rich, uh, Pure and Simple by Hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you I, love them. I love them. Uh, <laughs> love them. Yeah. <laughs> um, number nine, a song that probably everybody has in their memory still is "Because I Got High" by Afro Man. Wow. Mm. 
And uh, number 10 uh, was a double A side by Robbie Williams, Eternity and The Road to Mandalay. There you go. Top 10 of 2001. Mm. Well, wow. Good year. Good year for music. Yay, nay. I mean, not was... a vintage year mm. off the back of that, I would say. <laughs> no. no. But, uh, but I guess that's the pop charts for, yeah, for you, I suppose. Yeah, you can't judge it. Uh, um, you know, just to take things down a hip-hop route, oh. if I may, um, mm. Jay-Z's The Blueprint came out on September the 11th of all of all dates. Uh, and that's a pretty uh, important album in his catalogue mm. and, and for hip-hop in general. Pretty well regarded. Absolutely. So that's yeah, an important one. What was a big? So I, I had that one point. Um, I, I, I like a bit of hip hop. I've been known to like a bit of hip hop. I like a bit of the old hippity hop. Hippity hop. I do like it. Um, what were the big songs of that album? Um, I think the uh, H to the Izzo was probably the <coughs> the biggest ah. single on there. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, Kanye West production before anyone knew who Kanye West was. Um, Interesting. So yeah, that was uh, yeah a great a classic album. And it was actually the blueprint for you know the next sort of decade of hip hop. So, yeah. yeah, there was some good I mean, music in that year. There was, there was, yeah. There was also the year that uh, Rolling got uh, number one in the UK charts as well. That was a fantastic week. Oh, Rolling by Biscuit, Biscuit. of course. Yes, mm. of course. Yes. And uh, that definitely, it's all Limp Biscuit connected to the Dreamcast, of course, because yeah. there are a bunch of uh, signed Dreamcast signed by Fred Durst in the wild somewhere. Uh, he signed like a hundred of them or something for some kind of weird event. So there's like, huh. yeah, people collect them. Very odd oh. um, to know that Limp Biscuit is connected to the Dreamcast in that way. Mm. Um, so yes, <sighs> there we go. Um, I've got no idea how Shaggy was in there twice uh, in the top ten, but it is what it is. Um, uh, albums released this year include Aaliyah's eponymous final album, R.I.P. Baby Girl, uh, J-Lo by Jennifer Lopez, Britney by Britney Spears. It was apparently the year of the self-titled album. Um, and, of course, the seminal album by Mystique, Licking on Both Sides. Everyone wow. remembers that one. Yeah. Mystique. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Some, uh, some in- interesting albums, I'll say, uh, were released that year. Um, we had some great movies at the box office uh, with number ones in the UK, including Hannibal, uh, Miss Congeniality, Bridget Jones' Diary, Moulin Rouge, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and of course, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Uh, any thoughts on that one at all? Lord of the Rings, most overrated film of all time. Ooh, yeah. controversial. There we go. Controversial to say that on a gaming oh. podcast, I know, but my God, it's boring. Oh dear. <laughs> did you watch the extended edition first or is it have you no just the no one? watch just the the cut down version and it was still about two hours too long right okay <laughs> just you know that's sponge larping that's what it is yeah. <laughs> oh dear oh i'm looking at movies yeah. in 2001 now it's fantastic films there Oh, Jurassic Park three. Mm, that's actually yeah. gone up. That's actually gone up in my books now. Ever since the uh, Jurassic World movies, it's actually a masterpiece compared to them. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park three is Shite. well. It's kind of underrated. Yeah. Like compared to two as well. Like it came after two, and it was way better than two. Mm, no, disagree. Lost World oh, is what Lost you prefer World to. Yeah. <laughs> Which Lost team are you on, Ben? I, I'm, I'm waiting to see how this pans out. Okay. <laughs> what did you like about Lost World? To me, it just it had the same feeling of threat as the original Jurassic Park. I didn't feel any kind of threat or danger in Jurassic Park three. Everything just happened really, really quickly, and suddenly 
No one else died for the rest of the movie apart from one guy. And also the Spinosaurus was shit as well. So not only do you prefer two to three, but you say that three is similar to one? Not similar, but... Because that's just sacred, because one is like a perfect film. One is a perfect film, film. it's the best film ever made, but... (laughs) This is the uh, Jurassic Park hour on Dream Class Years. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Jurassic World 1 and 2 are absolutely shockingly bad. That's... We can agree on that, I'm sure. Sure, sure. Pretty much, sure. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. There you go. I'm oh, say, well. I, I, quite enjoy, I quite enjoyed the first Jurassic World. Um, yeah, and my son, my two-year-old son, is obsessed with Jurassic World. Uh. He just wants to watch it. <laughs> oh, watch Dinosaur. Watch Jurassic World. Dinosaurs. And he's watched it probably about 20 times. And it is not appropriate uh-huh. for a two-year-old. But he's, not really, uh, no. No, I was going to say. But he loves surprising. it. I always feel slightly guilty because they say shit a couple of times as well. But I'm like, yeah, he's he's two. He's not going to repeat that, is he? Yeah, Yeah. be fine. Be fine. I I can't can't let slide that Rich booed your two-year-old son. Um, Yeah, (laughs) what a dick. (laughs) I'm not going to hang out with him now. (laughs) No invites to play dates for you, Rich. Yeah, Rich. (laughs) Sad. Um, moving on from films, <laughs> on the goggle box, uh, here are a few of the big shows uh, that debuted in 2001. Uh, the Office, the UK one, of course. Um, oh. Yeah. Mm. Scrubs. Oh. Uh, 24. Mm. Uh, Star mm. Trek Enterprise. Oh, God. Six Feet <laughs> Under. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Phoenix Knights. Yeah. And um, yeah. Steve, this one's for you. There was even a Witchblade TV series that uh, began this year and had got, got two seasons. Witchblade? Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. There you go. Um, huh. Witchblade's like a, a comic book uh, oh, series. Yeah. And they did a whole series of Witchblade and Tomb Raider, if I remember rightly. Like crossover comic books. Oh, they did. That's now. right. They did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they did, they did a TV show of that. Um, I have no idea no, what it's I like. I have no idea. But, yeah. No, I mean, they got two seasons, but I assume it was terrible. I mean, the comic wasn't great, to be honest. I'm not sure why I enjoyed it at the time. Uh, busty Ladies? Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, what was that again? So, Witchblade? Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You heard yeah. Busty Ladies exactly. and you were like, Suddenly Witchblade? I, What's yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, there we have it. Uh, that's what was going on in the world in 2001. So, uh, let's get down and dirty with what we came, what we all came here for. Uh, no, it's not Ben Socks. Join our Discord to understand that joke. Mm. Uh, it's the games. As per usual, uh, I'll take us through eight games that I think stood out this year. And after discussing them all, uh, we'll, well, after discussing them each, uh, we'll decide if they were a game changer, just a game, or plain old shit. Uh, so, are we ready to get started? Yeah. Excellent. <clears throat> So, the first game that I've got on my list here is um, a PC game uh, released on the 27th of July in 2001, and that was Max Payne. Mm. So, any thoughts on Max Payne, guys? Yeah, Max Payne was brilliant. Agreed. (laughs) That's it, done. Moving on. Um, (laughs) This is going to be the quickest (laughs) episode ever. Amazing. (laughs) So... Obviously, uh, Max Payne came out, what, two years after The Matrix, I think? Yeah, uh, I think so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's basically, it was, at the time, Matrix, the game. It was bullet time, the game, right? Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Max Payne, it was actually, it was a tech demo. Like, Remedy did tech demos before they did games. Mm. And they put out, uh, like, a you know, like, graphics card benchmark programs. Yeah. They did one of those, and it was basically the lobby scene from The Matrix. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And then that, that went on to become 
uh, Max Payne. Wow. And yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant. It was the first game. I think other games had had like slow motion mechanics in it, but Max Payne was the first one where they really like went all out with it and modeled all of the particle effects. Uh, in full motion and in slow motion and all of the sound effects had like a full speed and a slow motion version of it mm. so you could like turn on bullet time and just shoot bathroom tiles and watch them slowly <laughs> crumble off the wall and make slow motion noises as they crumble off the walls um it was a lot of fun i could not get enough of that game there was one there's one part quite early on in that game where you can dive through a door and there's quite a small like little control room and there's like three guys in there and you can shoot them uh, and inside the room there's loads of like TV um, like TV screens and computer consoles and uh, cans of soda and all the errant bullets would like smash up the screens and make the soda cans go spinning around and I would just like quick save and quick load before that so I could do it over <laughs> and over and over again and it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. Well, it, I I, remember, I think I remember you showing me this game. In fact, I think it was you showed me it, and it was it was pretty damn awesome. Like it was, mm. it was like a showpiece game, wasn't it? You could basically show off to your friends how awesome, um, how yeah. cool you looked while you were kind of running around and and playing and playing this game because it was just you know like you say the Matrix had just come out. So I say just a couple of years ago, and that was the height of cool back then to do the whole bullet time thing. So yeah, it was. It, it was pretty cool. I don't yeah, think it, I, it, I don't think I had a computer good enough to run it at the time, but I'm, I, I'm sure I did play it later on, and I've got it for the Xbox now. I think so it did. Uh, it came out on uh, on PS2 not long after mm. as well, I think. Um, but that wasn't as good. Also, surprisingly good story as well in there as well. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, although they did a Considering terrible job like, at, uh, at putting it into a movie, though. From what I understand, everyone loves Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> no- and Nelly Furtado. Weirdly, <laughs> was she in that? Jeez. Yeah. So um, uh, I've never seen that film. Um, I, I think I'll continue to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds sounds advisable. Um, Rich, you know what I'm going to ask. I have preempt me here. I have played it. I have owned it. <laughs> I didn't play it in 2001, but I got it right. on launch with the Xbox the following year. Wow. Um, and yeah, and I love that game. Um, just I think at the time obviously I played other like violent games but I think it was the grittiest game I'd ever played at that time in terms of just the mm. themes you know, things like hookers and junkies and it, it just felt like a really gritty lived in mm. world very adult um, and yeah, I just loved obviously what yeah three years after well no two years after the Matrix just the whole bullet time thing being quite fresh that was just really exciting mm. and what surprised me was that you'd, you'd easily think that the bullet time would make the game really quite easy but it was still very challenging and there were a couple of bits yeah. that stood out to me. And I think there's that bit that's in like a restaurant that's on fire. You're just running through and it was just like proper edge of your seat. Just really, really tense. And I think I died quite a few times on that bit. But it just it was a really awesome game. And like what Steve says, there was bits I'd play over and over again just because it was just badass. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, the whole the actual storytelling was like un- unlike anything I'd played at that point. All the really gritty, gravelly voice, like noir monologues and the still frame images. It was just different. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was that level as well that really freaked me out. It was almost like a little stage between levels when you were kind of walking like this pure blackness. And there's almost like oh, a yeah. narrow red trail of blood. And you yeah, hear like the baby crying. Dream sequences. Like, yeah. I uh, hated that. Hated that. But <laughs> only complaint about that game was his whole like who farted face that he had in most of the uh, 
Seems it was the one face that he had yeah, on, wasn't it? Weird and it's smirk, um, and it was like, what? what? <laughs> it's the face of the de- of the writer, isn't it? Uh, Sam Lake. Yeah, it's Sam Lake. Really? That's yeah. right. Okay. Didn't Which sounds like Alan Wake. I wonder if they just did did that, like rhymed really? his name yeah. to get the name of the game, Alan Wake. Um, but yeah, that's that was that was weird. It was bizarre that they just used that one picture of his face, and yeah. they didn't change it at all, did they? It was constantly that. Well, things like his face and also the cutscenes were all done like uh, graphic novel panels. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also uh, from fo- from photographs um, who were clearly not professional actors. So, like some of the voice acting and facial expressions and stuff were not were not great. Right. So, I think I think it was a small team, and I think they had a surprisingly small budget. So, there are some little things like that that do that do stand out as being a little bit cheap. But I think for the most part, I think it's executed. Really Really well mm. considering, but yeah, that was a very memorable launch day title for me. Probably one of the most memorable launch titles I've ever had. I've only, to be fair, I've only bought two consoles at launch, so not a lot of competition. There you go, Ben. I feel like I'm, I feel like you've been <clears throat> very quiet um, <laughs> with good reason. Wondering what that is. Uh, yes, I'm here to out rich rich today. Um, ah. Yeah, I, I've never played Max Payne, uh, but. I unlike Counter Strike, uh, which I was blissfully unaware of. Um, I have heard of Max Payne, and I was aware of it at the time it released because the I remember the bullet time thing being very uh, hyped up, um, yeah. and I loved The Matrix. I think that was easily my favourite film at the time, uh, and I, I don't know. I just I was just a bit. Well, I was never. I've never been a PC gamer to start with so I never had the option of, of playing some of these games when they first came out and mm. um, yeah it, although the bullet time thing looked cool it never really you know it's games like that that and and wartime games and shooty shooty bang bang games that I <laughs> never really liked at all uh, I never saw the appeal of them unless they were sort of cartoony in, or you know golden eye or something like that um mm. But one thing I will say in 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 defence of Max Payne is I think bullet time has become a pretty common mechanic, and this was probably the the pioneer of that. So we've seen it in you know loads of games like Bayonetta and uh, even something like My Friend Pedro that came out last year. Mm. You know that mm, was sure. that was like yeah. the whole hook of the game basically. So uh, other than the the talking banana, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it's not one that I've played, but one that I can can appreciate from afar, I would say. Very good. Mm. Awesome. Well, with that in mind then, um what are we saying for this game? Are we are we saying it's a is it a game changer? Is it just a game? Doesn't sound like it's shit. Um Steve? Yeah, this is a game changer, I would I would say. Fairly safely so as well. Yeah. Just kind of for the reasons that Ben gave there, the fact that it's uh, kind of influenced games yeah. going forward, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. the, it's the first game, not only where it properly utilised bullet time, but I, I think it's the first game where it gave it to the player as like a resource. It's something that you turn on and off mm. and you have a little bar that depletes and you can recharge. Um, and that has now become extremely common in, in games. Very often there is a, a skill that you can unlock on a skill tree mm. that gives you the ability to slow down time. So yeah, I, I, I would say game changer for sure. Awesome. Uh, Rich, what about you? Yeah, no, I think I'll say game changer. I mean, yeah, just in terms of just being quite stylish as well. Um, I just think, yeah, a lot of games nowadays have actually borrowed, not necessarily bullet time, essentially, but it's, yeah, I just think it's very, very stylish. And I think a lot of games have 
you know, gone down that road since. So I completely had no crap answer there. <laughs> it was a really good game. <laughs> game changer. Yeah, just to just to just to go back and speak to one of um, Rich's points earlier. It did have a really like grungy adult, um, mature kind of mm. feel to it. Mm. Uh, and when you go back to the game now, that doesn't really stand out. It just looks kind of brown, like every other game looked for a while. Yeah. But Max Payne was one of the first games to do that as well. Mm. Like it was a really it was a really grounded depiction of New York, which was very unique at. at the time um a bit more di- difficult to appreciate that now true yeah i see i mean like all the other games then just went on and did the same thing so it just kind of blended mm-hmm. into the yeah. background yeah. of games from the time basically yeah mm. yeah that makes sense um ben what about you what would you say this game was well obviously it's difficult to have an extreme uh reaction either way for me but i think mm. yeah for the for the reason i said before about how influential that particular mechanic was and also yeah, that that gritty look and the whole that that that's still that's still around today. You know that yeah. that single player generic PS4 game that everyone loves, whatever it might be called, <laughs> uh, the Last Dead Remnant Two, for example, great game. <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's that is that was one of the the kind of pioneers of that whole movement, which is basically the biggest game genre around at the moment so it's mm. yeah I, I, it's got to be a game changer really yeah yeah mm. i would agree i would i would concur with all the points i think they're completely correct it's uh it, and it's weird because it's it's not one that you would automatically pull out as being this game changing game because it mm. like like steve said it did kind of fade into the background of games from that time but it, and then obviously sequels especially max Payne 3 didn't kind of set the world on fire um but they, even though they were very good, um, mm. but yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's a game changer. It did a lot to inspire games going forward, and a lot of uh, the awesome games that we have now probably have uh, they owe a debt to Max Payne somewhere, somewhere along the line. So there we go. That is uh, that's Max Payne. Uh, let's move on. So the next game on the list. Um, since it is the last big Dreamcast year, uh, we're probably going to mention a few Dreamcast games here. Uh, the first of which is um, one that released on the 23rd of June of this year, and that is Sonic Adventure 2. So, who am I going to come to first for this? Ooh, Rich, have you played Sonic Adventure 2? I've played it, yes. Not much. Have. I haven't played much of that game, and that's so weird, because I, I know it's an improvement. It's a much more refined version of the first Sonic Adventure. Mm. But... Came at a time where my Dreamcast... No, I hadn't actually died at that point, but I, ne- I never picked it up, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, what I played of it, I liked. I mean, the only thing that really stands out to me is the whole bit with the truck going down mm-hmm. the older like, San Francisco. I forget the name of the stage now. but I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I like how they did... They obviously refined the level types as well. I think it was a lot more trimmed down compared to the, the first one in terms of the action stages, adventure stages... I know you had like treasure hunt ones in this one, didn't you? With Knuckles? Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So a little bit different, but yeah, I, I haven't played enough of Sonic Adventure 2 to really properly judge it. And that's a game I'm probably going to have to re-pick up. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, no, I haven't really got a lot to say about it. Other than, obviously, it did introduce us to Shadow, who I've never cared for as a character. <laughs> and I know they did the whole like hero and dark game modes, whatever they were called. 
And mm. I've just find him. I've always found Shadow a bit too edge lordy, and I just I can't get behind him as a character. Mm. It's just like it's just a game about a cartoon hedgehog that runs fast, and you're trying to like appeal to like fifteen year old boys that are like angry at the world. It just mm. I don't isn't know. that isn't that who Sonic was created to appeal to in the first place? Probably, probably yeah. just like it's like Papa Roach. Fans. I, I don't know though. I, uh, yeah, the an- the answer to that's yes, but 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 Sonic never really he never went that far into Edge Lord. It was always Sonic had attitude, right? Yeah. Whereas Shadow was Shadow was deliberately an asshole, and that was supposed to be appealing. He right? had a gun. Why? And it, uh, yeah, and he had a gun for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do want to revisit it because it does look like they've yeah fixed a lot of the issues. I know the camera is still pretty shit, but mm. yeah. Not much to say about it, really, but I do want to play it again, and I will probably buy it this year at some point. Nice. Seems like you're rebuilding your Dreamcast collection. I've decided this is my uh, pledge now, so probably won't have enough money to buy uh, new games the way this country is going, so I'll probably have to buy old second-hand ones from 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we get into politics, uh, Ben, (laughs) have you played Sonic Adventure 2? Do you know what? As I as I mentioned, I would I would have been at university uh, at this time, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to work out why I have very very hazy memories of this era. Um, and my best guess is there's a there was probably a lot of illegal substances going around, and uh, sure. and that's mm-hmm. possibly impacted my memory of of this era. Um, so I don't know <laughs> if I played Sonic Adventure <laughs> two, but I. Uh, I do have a vague recollection of possibly playing it on the GameCube, because um, right. mm-hmm. that the, yeah the San Francisco uh, opening scene um, sticks with me. So I think I probably haven't owned it, but I, I feel like I played it at some point. Um, I loved the first Sonic Adventure, um, and this is one that I I don't have in my collection at the moment, but I would like to add to because yeah, if it does take some of the meandering bits from the first game and refine those a little bit, then that's something I'd be interested in doing. But mm. yeah, not not one that I've got any 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 memories of whatsoever, other than a, a vague <laughs> idea of that I might have played it once. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. But uh, yeah, get used to that being my general reaction to most of these okay. games. <laughs> just we will do. Just a heads up. Preparing ourselves. Yeah, this is refreshing. Um, <laughs> takes the heat off me this is fantastic um, <laughs> it's true <yeah>. um, but it, it is it is i think everybody even if you haven't played sonic adventure 2 i think everybody knows the opening stage i think it's quite an iconic stage the music yeah, sure. the, yeah. the kind of the lorry chasing you down it's it's the same as the first stage of sonic adventure with the with the killer whale and stuff mm-hmm. it's it's just that that iconic uh, grabs your attention kind of thing that, that sonic team did really well um and you're right ben they kind of they took a lot of the meandering parts of sonic adventure out um and replaced them with uh i don't think there was there was no hub levels at all as far as I'm no, aware. No, no um it was all so you switch between different characters and like you said i think you've got like the good and the bad basically so you had like sonic tails knuckles and then on the opposite side you'd have their counterparts you'd have like shadow um was it ruby was the counter counter one to knuckles i think yeah. um so it was a bat it was a bat anyway that's right yeah, yeah um and then you know basically the, the counter ones but so it was it, it to me it appealed much more because i didn't like 
what they did with Sonic Adventure. It's, it's no secret. I'm not not keen in it. Um, I mentioned it in the book even. My, my Sonic Adventure retrospective basically yeah take that game down um but it's just it, and we talked about it in the in the deep dive for sonic the hedgehog as well it's it's just too it's too slow for a sonic game mm. for the first game and al- <clears throat> although the second one has its slow parts at least i didn't feel like i was walking from one stage to the other um i was just you know taken there straight away and there was more interest there than there was in sonic adventure one i think i don't know what you I don't know what you thought about this one steve yeah, um, it's a lot better than Sonic Adventure 1, but Sonic Adventure 1 is an incredibly low bar to clear, so that doesn't go <laughs> so anywhere near enough to making it a good game. I mean, look, it, the stuff that it tightened up was the stuff that was basically unacceptable in Sonic Adventure 1, which is the hub area stuff mm. and um, that the meandering that we that we were discussing. The cutscenes were, slight, were slightly better as well, yeah. but it still does not achieve... It, it doesn't achieve what it set out to do, which was to give a a 3d sonic game that plays like a sonic game would mm. it's slow and awkward and the the like you know the opening sequence with the truck and everything the game has really cool moments like like that and those things are worth seeing yeah but it's just not very fun to play through the whole game mm. it's a shame but uh, you know unfor- unfortunately that's just that's just how those games are true it's one of the better 3d ones at least so out of all of the 3d ones it's it's one that's probably like you say it's worth seeing for some of the cool moments it has and yeah there's there are a lot of 3d sonic games that you would just kind of want to completely avoid <laughs> rather than giving a go so at least it has that i suppose and um actually i was, I was talking to my other half the other day who used to be like a giant sonic fan he had loads of sonic collectibles and um, loads of the comic books all sorts of stuff so you get on with him really well <laughs> you guys talked about the comic in the deep dive he would have been able to talk oh. for ages about that kind of stuff um and he pointed out to me which i didn't know was that they uh, the design in sonic adventure was a bit more squat and a bit different from the sonic adventure 2 sonic design when they elongated his body and his limbs a bit so it made yeah. him a bit more uh proportional uh made him look a bit better um and i think that's another thing that they then therefore improved uh between the games as well it's just kind of they got the design of sonic in 3d right in two and perhaps didn't get it quite as right in the first one so yeah there we go um okay let's uh let's work out what this what this game is where do we place it uh ben game changer uh probably just a game i would say yeah 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 um rich would you agree this one's difficult for me to say just game because it was the last sonic game on a sega console and it almost makes mm. me want to err towards a like game changer because it's just kind of historical i know that sounds bad you shouldn't necessarily elevate a mediocre middling game because it's obviously you know the last of its kind but Rich, you vote with your heart, and I love that about you. Yeah. I'm going to say a light game changer, Go with simply it. because it was the last Sonic game on the Sega console, and I think <laughs> that was quite historic. Awesome, that's good. Uh, Steve, are you about to shit on that? Total, total shit. <laughs> <He's shaking. laughs> Absolute. Um, shit. You know what? <laughs> garbage game for garbage people. Uh, no, they. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll say game. They 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 took the criticisms from the first one. They made they did make a lot of really good improvements, and it is a much better game. But um, so we'll, we'll say game. Okay. Um, I mean, 
to me it's one of the better sonic games of the 2000s 2010s um and and like like rich i would love it to be a game changer but i don't think i i don't think i can push it as far as that in my own head i think it was it didn't change anything i mean if it had sonic team would be making better sonic games now and they're not so um Mm. yeah it's just it's just a game to me i think it's 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 a pretty good game it's a great sonic game Mm. um of the 3d ones but yeah it's just a game i think (laughs) so there's a lot of qualifiers in there yeah it's a, a lot, it's, yeah. a, it's a great game for Sonic games, which are... Mm, yeah, yeah. Mostly shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think with 3D Sonic games, there's always going to be qualifiers, unfortunately, in yeah. front of them. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a weird one, but kind of a blast from the past, really. All these new consoles were coming out. We've got the PS2, uh, Xbox is on the horizon, the GameCube had come out by this point, I think. Um, and I'm about to talk about a PS1 game. Um, which released on the 16th of February. Um, and that one was Final Fantasy IX. Mm. All right, I'll be back yeah. in 10 minutes, lads. Yeah. All right. Same. Yeah. Same. Um, fam- <laughs> two people who famously are not that keen on uh, JRPGs. Although, Ben, you have gotten oh, into no. them fairly recently. I have, yes. So, so I, I may have something to offer, but not okay. about this particular game. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, Rich... Just to just to get it out of the way. Nope. <laughs> you're not a JP. You're not a JRPG fan, are you at all? I hate them. I hate them with passion. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. You don't have any memories of this particular game at all. Um, Nothing comes to mind. Just walking past the game cases in the shop. That's about it. That's a memory. That's a memory. All right. <laughs> Spitting um, on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'll I'll come to you, Steve. I know for sure that you've got some memories of this game. Yes. Um, what are they? Uh, Well, so I liked this game at the time, um, and I also played through it quite recently. Um, I got the Switch version, and me and my girlfriend uh, played through the entirety of the game in bed, which was a delight. Nice. Um, Sort of every few nights a week, we would sit there and uh, make our way through Final (laughs) Final Fantasy IX, and it was a lovely, wholesome experience. Um, That game is lovely and wholesome. Um, The Final, Final Fantasy VII obviously it was great but it broke from final fantasy tradition and it had like a um more futuristic techno punk theme um final fantasy 8 had had its theme which i didn't like at all and was the start of like teen angst simulator mm-hmm. um final fantasy 9 weirdly i don't know if it was some something to do with the development cycle of those games or, or what but for some reason they decided to, to go back to traditional final fantasy mm-hmm. airships swords castles fantasy land magic type um aesthetic and i loved it for that it's a really fine example of one of those games yeah. uh, and it's delightful the music's delightful the graphics are delightful it's got a really nice art style it does uh it's great it's a really really nice game yeah i think i think you're right about the development cycle i think they started developing it before eight went into development i believe oh, right okay so it was like almost like they were going to do seven and then try something different uh, with seven mm-hmm. and then go back to what they meant to do and then i think i don't know what happened but nine came later and also i think it was an anniversary year when uh nine came out i can't remember which anniversary oh, it was right. so it almost tied into like the, the heritage of final fantasy in that way as well i can't remember which anniversary it was i might be completely wrong but i'm pretty sure it was um but yeah, it's, uh, the, the terms wholesome and delightful uh, ones used quite quite a lot. But it's it's completely true of that game, isn't it? It's it's uh, 
it's not the kind of game that you would get today almost it's it's there's just something about yeah. it that's i, I mean it's... the dragon quest games might come close i suppose in terms of style and and wholesomeness but yeah i would say that's a fair that's a fair comparison i, I, I like i've only played some of uh, the new dragon quest but the final fantasy 9 is kind of similar in that the story is pretty straightforward mm. it's, it's sort of cookie cutter jrpg fare but where the depth comes in and where the complexity comes in is the characters that you meet along the way and the stories that they tell you yeah um so in that sense you know final Final fantasy 7 and 8 in particular can be kind of confusing to follow whereas 9 is like nice and straightforward and traditional and you've got your bad guys and your good guys and the ones you can root for and you know what's going on um and it's just yeah it's really pleasant to follow that story through it is Mm. and it had some like i remember the cutscenes in that game being like really good like really nice yeah yeah, really yeah. phenomenal yeah, yeah yeah there's one in particular um there's one where vivi is on an airship and he learns that he is basically like he doesn't know who he is like his his arc throughout the whole game is working out who he is and what his purpose is mm. um and they're on this uh, airship uh that they've uh stowed their way onto and the airship gets blown up and out 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 of these barrels tumbles loads of like clones of him and they're like falling through the sky as he watches, and it's like genuinely kind of affecting. Whenever I watch that cut, that cutscene now, mm. as as he learns that about himself, it's yeah, it's really sad to watch. And the game's full of little moments like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, those FMVs are uh, are really good. They really are, and and it's weird that I mean, like you mentioned that the characters are kind of what you're rooting for as you go through, and it's really true. And it's I mean, Vivi, for example, is is an amazing character, a really cool character. And it's amazing what they can do with very little, um, what's the word for it? He, he doesn't have a face, essentially. Um, no, no, yeah. So there's no expressions. He can't, he can't express anything. It's, it's all expressed through his body motion and the way he talks. And, mm-hmm. and obviously there's no voice acting either, so it's all text. Um, so you're having to basically get the gist of this character through the way he kind of, his body gestures, which, you know, it's a PS1 game. They're not going to be particularly, um, you know, out there. Um, and the text but somehow it comes across and he you know you just kind of really fall for this amazing character that they that they yeah, create yeah. With, with very little in the way of actual human <laughs> features or anything yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy yeah. yeah they did a really good job and, and the as good as the cutscenes look obviously they, they can't have any dialogue in them so mm. they, they have to work really hard to convey these um themes and emotions and uh yeah they nail it in that game it's great they really do and uh, the, the world was pretty cool in terms of the world map and stuff and i remember you didn't go very far for quite a while and then the game like really opens up kind of halfway through i believe yeah so you're like you you, you go into the world map and you're like sure this is pretty big i guess mm. um and then i don't know maybe halfway through the game a bit more you find there's a whole another continent there and you go off and you explore that and it's just like this holy shit feeling of like it's kind of reminiscent of when you leave midgar in final fantasy 7 mm. and you don't really think about the fact that there's a world map and you leave the city and you, you're sort of like wow this is a massive grand adventure with a whole world to explore yeah. kind of like that you find this other continent and you realize that the game is way bigger than you thought it was and there's way more to do and way more to explore yeah it does a really good job of elevating that sense of uh, that sense of adventure yeah and even more so because it's quite a slow burn to begin with as well isn't it it's really slow going to start with and you you, you don't go very far for quite a while you stay quite right, close yeah. to the main yeah. place and yeah so kind of for it to open up like that 
so far into the game it's like okay wow <laughs> um yeah it's pretty pretty awesome yeah it's crazy and and on the for some reason on the other con continent all of the locals speak with scottish accents i don't know why obviously it's a text game so it's all written but like it's written phonetically and it's incredibly well done <laughs> um uh, so another part of that game um is how good the writing is because traditionally final fantasies before then didn't really translate very well mm. or, or or the translation job was not great um final fantasy 9 is brilliantly translated and really really well written awesome um Ben, after hearing that and knowing that you <laughs> I'm, like, I'm literally on the uh, I'm literally on the eShop page for it now. Like, man, I'm, this sounds like it's worth sixteen ninety nine. Uh, I would say it, it is, would be. It is, yeah, great. I mean, great, great work there, Steve. I, I, uh, I really like the sound of that. I have. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as you said at the start of the show, Andrew, I've kind of recently fallen in love with JRPGs. Um, mm. Most recently, Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, on the switch absolutely just captured my imagination and it was the mm. that wholesome there's you know there's nothing really horrible happening it wasn't too gritty it was all like watching an 80s cartoon almost or playing an 80s cartoon mm. and the way that steve describes this it's it seems like it's that because i did try uh final fantasy 7 when that came out on the switch as my first entry point into this series and mm. I just found it really off-putting, the whole setting of it, the graphical style. Uh, this looks way better, by the look of it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I found it really jarring, the the, the graphical style of, of Seven. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. 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 I, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. I... Sorry, I was just going to say, I would definitely encourage you to try it. Uh, just, you know, be prepared. It is nearly a 20-year-old game, so there are some quality-of-life stuff in there mm. that, that's not quite going to cut it uh, compared to Dragon Quest. But, yeah, I, I would say if you liked Dragon Quest, 9 is a pretty safe bet for you. I think I think, I think, think you'd have a good time. Mm. I did not come on this show expecting to uh, be purchasing more fucking games. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Uh, Rich, by any chance have we converted you to Final Fantasy 9? Maybe I'll give it a crack, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) What's going on? JRPGs (laughs) are doing something right. Everyone seems to love them, so I must be missing something. Um, There's a few times I flirted with getting Final Fantasy 7 because it was so cheap, and I just had memories of my sister playing it in front of me. Mm-hmm. But so far, I haven't bought it. But this sounds like if I was going to get a Final Fantasy game, I'd probably go more towards this one than seven. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think by all accounts, the Switch version is a decent. Um, I think they it is. they did a HD yeah. port on the PC or something, and then they they put they put it onto iOS, and I think then they put it onto Switch, Jesus. and it's a decently done. Like they've upgraded a lot of the texture work, and yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't decent when it first uh, when it first dropped. It was kind of. It was kind of rough. Yeah. Um, and Square doesn't have a great track record with going back and patching their shitty ports. But thankfully, on this one, uh, they did. They listened to what people said and they went back. There was like issues with music and graphics and text and stuff. It was. It was kind of messy actually. But but now it's a, yeah. It's a really really solid port of that game. Mm. Nice, and it goes on sale fairly often, so uh, yeah, it does. Keep an eye out. Well, it's on, it's on my wish list now, so I'll keep an eye on it. Hmm. There we go. Fantastic. Um, so, okay, with with all that in mind, um, got to decide whether it's a game changer or not. Um, Steve, what what would you say about this one? 
Um, it's difficult to call it a game changer because obviously it's the Final Fantasy style that they never went back to. Mm. And it, uh, I, I always kind of struggle with this. Like, what do we mean when we say game changer? Right? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because like, I feel very strongly about it. It's, it's great. It's a great game. And my instinct is to say game changer. But, you know, it's not the most popular one. Yeah, it's not a popularity contest, though, is it? I mean, game changer can mean, was it something that kind of changed the way that you perceive games? Or was it game changing in terms of, you know, did it it change the industry and the way that games are produced? And, you know, if it's a personal thing, if your instincts are telling you that it was a game changer, it sounds like it was something that um, affected you as a gamer, I suppose. Yeah. All right, let's go for that. It's a game changer. Yeah, there we go. Um, Rich? Um, what are we saying? I'm going to say game. I, I'm not going to shit on yeah. it. I've said this before. I'm not going to crap on it for you know not appealing to me. But yeah. I'm not going to big it up either. Um, yeah, it's a game. Okay, fair enough. Uh, ben, what are we thinking? Yeah, same as Rich, really. I, I can only really say game. Um, yeah. As much as it sounds wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a game. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll concur and say I'll concur even and say game as well. Um, I think I don't have as much tied to it as as you do, Steve. Like I, I like it; it's a good game. But seven and eight were the ones uh, for me that kind of brought me into JRPGs, so uh, they have much more fun memories for me. Um, even though I really do like nine, and it is a great game. Um, so there we go. So that is a game for Final Fantasy Nine. Um, but very nicely put, Steve. And the fact that we may get Ben and possibly even Rich to play it is—I <laughs> know, right? If you get, uh, if you get me to play, to my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of stick with the theme of JRPGs now for just a second. Um, back to the Dreamcast, though. Uh, this released on the twenty-seventh of April, um, and it was Skies of Arcadia. Um, ben, I'm going to come to you first on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, just get me out of the way. Um... Yeah. Yeah, never played Skies of Arcadia. Uh, for context, though, I was, mm. as I said before, I, I didn't really have any mates that were into video games. Um, okay. I kind of hung around with, like, I suppose you would call them jocks or, or, okay. or dickheads. Like, most, right. <laughs> most of my mates were, like, <laughs> into football and girls and, you know, sport and stuff like that. Uh, you know, mm. a couple of them had consoles but weren't really into anything um mm-hmm. so i i didn't really get into what i deemed as this sort of nerdier end of gaming at the time and that's mm. that was just through my own kind of you know ignorance at the time but um mm-hmm. so i will have seen them on the shelves i remember seeing final fantasy on the shelf and just thinking nerd game you know like <laughs> where's where's madden where's fifa um Although that is completely at odds with what I said earlier about not liking sort of shooty shooty bang bang games as well. Yeah, um, I just really liked Nintendo and Sega games. I suppose just the video game stuff, but not you know arcadey stuff. I suppose would be the the easiest way mm-hmm. to put it. But um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I never dabbled in JRPGs, and now I just feel like there's a whole world of them that I need to go back and revisit, and obviously this could be one of them sell it to me please it could yeah. be <laughs> um i guess i i I'm, i'll pick up on this one i'll kind of get going on this one because this is uh, this one means quite a lot to me <clears throat> so skies of arcadia is one of 
the only JRPGs on the Dreamcast. There's very few of them, um, especially ones that came to the UK, uh, to the UK and to to the West in general. Um, and it was the only Sega one that came to the West, I believe. I don't think there were many Sega ones at all. Um, but it was the biggest one anyway. Uh, so Skies of Arcadia. Um, it's this. Uh, to, t- to tell you what it is, um, it, it kind of has the. Uh, a bit about it in the title already it is set in a kingdom that um a floating island so everyone lives on a floating <laughs> island and you are uh, vice and um i can't remember his i think he's acre aki um i'm gonna have to look that up and because i'm gonna sound stupid uh, but his uh, his his friend his uh, his really good friend uh, and they live on this island together um and they have a, an airship and they basically, I think they they come across this uh, this really strange woman, um, and uh, she seems to be really important. And they basically take up the quest to help her because she's in trouble. Um, which kind of standard fare for JRPGs, really. You find some strange person and have to help them. Um, but it basically leads them on this journey across all these um, island nations, uh, and they go off on their airship um, to discover um, what's going on in the world uh, to save the world. And it's. <sighs> There's something about it that is different from any other game of the time. It was um, a, a proper 3D game. So at the time, um, you know, Final Fantasy games and stuff were pre-rendered backgrounds uh, with with 3D characters. And this was like a proper, proper 3D. Everything was 3D or the world was 3D. Um, the battles were really cool. Um, you could do ship-to-ship battles because you had your airship. You could actually battle other airships, which was really awesome. Um, and each of these island nations that you went to were completely different. So you'd have, you know, one that was kind of a bit modelled after, I suppose, old England, maybe one that was kind of modelled after Japan. But they're all really different in the way they looked, the characters you come across in them um, and the things you could do in them. Um it also had its own little town building thing as well, like your home island. As you went and did different things around uh, the world, uh, you could uh, find things to help upgrade your town and you could come back and build new things in your town. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to do it justice without like actually seeing the game because mm-hmm. it's one, it's an incredibly pretty game. It looks phenomenally good it's uh, for, you know uh, steve you've mentioned before the whole blue sky aesthetic thing of, yeah. of dreamcast and that kind of has it in spades you know you, you're in the fucking sky uh for a start you know um that's that's blue sky aesthetic for you um but it's it has like really lively characters um really i don't, I don't know it's just uh, i'm not sure what else to say about it steve have you have, have you played this one steve no no i never have you i didn't. always really wanted to but mm. sadly sadly i never got the chance um it was very it was very appealing to me at the time <clears throat> i think just because of my relationship with the dreamcast having played a lot of it but never like had one to call my own mm. it's not really conducive to sitting down and playing for 100 hours of jrpg sadly so i never True. actually got the chance to do it but i mean the idea at the time of an rpg that was that had that blue sky aesthetic and was colorful and um an rpg set in the sky mm-hmm. says to me that it's like gonna be vast and expansive and and you know infinite adventure awaiting it was very appealing but annoyingly i never i never got the chance to play it which i was very sad about yeah 
it's I, I feel I'm not doing it as 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 much justice as you did Final Fantasy Nine, but it's it's a difficult <laughs> game for me to to describe, and it's been a long time since I've played it as well. So as much as I can do research on it, like the main thing for me was the way it made me feel. That was it was one of those games, you know, mm-hmm. like JRPGs when they're really long. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to have a break because it's just you can't play a hundred hours yeah. all in one go. Usually, you know, you'd have to have a break from it, come back to it later. That's how I felt anyway. Uh, Skies of Arcadia, I played all the way through. I didn't stop. Wow. Um, I just played it start to finish. Not in the same day, of course. That'd be silly. Um, <laughs> but, but I just kept going um, because the story was so compelling. The characters were so compelling. It was just so different from any other RPG that I'd played. Like you said, the, the, the visuals were really bright and colourful and um, it, it was all just so well done. And also the characters all emoted very well. It's something I wasn't used to for JRPGs. Mm. You know, like we were talking about um, Final Fantasy 9 and even 7 and 8 the characters didn't really emote as such you know you couldn't see their faces for starters not, not in very much detail um, and they kind of suffered from you know the fact that the PS1 uh, wasn't that yeah. powerful so they couldn't really do those things and the Dreamcast could the Dreamcast could give you these characters that would show emotion that you could kind of gauge how they were feeling and kind of uh, root for them even more because you could see you know the emotions they had so yeah, there's something about that that's... Uh... It looks it looks great. It looks really nice. Yeah, it's a really I'm just pretty game. scrolling through some screenshots now. Yeah. And the, the ship battles were, f- were fantastic. Like, it was completely different. Like, the, the only problem... The, the game was practically perfect. The only problem it had was that the random encounters were um, set... I don't know how they'd set them, but it would be literally you take five steps and there'd be a random encounter. You'd come out of the random encounter and then you take five steps and there'd be another random encounter. It was oh, really no. bad. <laughs> So you would always be random encountering. They fixed it for the GameCube version. They ported it to GameCube and they fixed that issue. But the Dreamcast version is, it's, yeah, masses of random encounters, basically. <clears throat> so. have, they, have they ever brought it anywhere else, this game? No. Nope. Have uh, there been other Skies of Arcadia games? Nope. Gosh. It's, a, it's, a th- it's one of those things they, uh, I have heard it mentioned in, in Switch circles as being in need of a, of a port because it is such a seminal game. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the actual original developer came out and said, we're never going to see it on any other platform. That's it. Which is mm. kind of nice in a way. It kind of, it's a little time capsule in yeah. that respect. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I'd like to be able to play it, about that, isn't it. It would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a Dreamcast. So... I do have a Dreamcast. Is this one of those games that is ridiculously expensive now though? Uh, I think like it's it. in the sixty pound, sixty seventy pound realm. Yeah, um, I'm out. It's not an, it's not unobtainable, but it's expensive enough. <laughs> well, maybe for you, money bags, but off. I'm not going to put. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, originally, it was supposed to come out on the Saturn. I've just read as well. Nah. Yeah. Oh right. Ooh. Weird. A lot of games were like that for the Dreamcast. In fact, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. But it's. Uh, yeah, and it was, um, as far as I recall as well, it was one of the only Sega teams which had um, a, a mostly female staff as well. The really? director was a, was a, was a woman, um, huh. and the producer was a woman, I believe. Um, so it was it was quite a big deal Ugh, at the time. No wonder it was uh, late. Oh, <laughs> Jokes. Jokes. <laughs> uh, um, I was going to say, you, you say that's a big big deal at the time. That would still be a big deal yeah, that's sadly. true sadly. yeah unfortunately <laughs> mm. um so yeah i mean it, it, i feel bad because i feel like i'm not doing it any justice whatsoever it's, it's really hard to um 
because it's such a it's, it is such a big and epic game and it's it, I mean, apart from my feelings on it which was just this feeling of having this huge like you said mm-hmm. see a huge open world to explore mm. which is exactly what it was especially with the airship that you had um i don't know it's 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 one that you have to experience um to really fully understand and appreciate how good it was um and like you say ben it's 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 almost kind of nice that it's only available on certain consoles because it means that people have to go up go out and get those consoles whether it's the gamecube or the or the dreamcast mm. um the gamecube version is uh excessively expensive i believe that's like over a hundred pounds for a copy of that oh, on the, the gamecube um but yeah, it's, it's it's an experience that you have to have, and I think if you have a Dreamcast or if you have a GameCube, um, and you have a bit of money, a, a lot of money, um, then you should probably get it because, it, and you like RPGs as well, obviously. But yeah, you should you should get it because it's it is uh, one of the best RPGs that I've ever played, um, and it still sticks with me. I still remember how how great it was. Uh, yeah. So for me. It was definitely a game changer. Um, I, I'll say that now. I don't know what you guys are going to say. I'm pretty sure you're going to say game. If you say shit, I'll kill you. I love, you, I love um, how you skipped <laughs> me entirely. It's fantastic. So. You said you didn't play it. <laughs> go on, Rich. I, Rich, go I on. I said Final Fantasy Nine. But yeah, I never I played it. You played Sky Spike no. <laughs> I was aware of it. I was a Dreamcast owner. I saw it in the magazines. Saw like rolling demos. But yeah, I had no interest. No interest at all? No. Interest. No. no. Uh, so is it just a game for you then, Rich? Yeah, game. Game. Ben? Game. Total game. Total yeah. game. Uh, Steve? Uh, I, I I, mean, I have to say game, but I, I am going to try and play this one, I think. I'm going to try and find a way to play this one. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, we seem to be having a bit of a theme here. We all, One of us will totally say it's a game changer and the rest will kind of just say it's game. So <laughs> uh, That's fine. That's fine. We've all had it so far. Um all right then. Uh, now that I've done total injustice to Skies of Arcadia, um, <laughs> let's move on to the next game in the list. Um, okay, so let's move away from RPGs for a while. Um, the next game, I've got a feeling that everybody might have played, uh, but Rich always has a habit of proving me wrong. Um, it was a uh, there's the first PS2 game we're going to talk about, I believe. I don't think we've talked about any before. Um, it was released on the 26th of October. Um, and this was Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, Rich, have you played Grand Theft Auto 3? Of course, I got it on launch. Of course I love this game. Yes. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I mean, I was, I was yeah, very much into the GTA series at this point. Obviously, I was still quite young. But I had every game up to this point, even the one on the Game Boy Color. Um, wow. And <laughs> this was one of those real massive moments in gaming for me like the moment the game starts you're on the bridge and there's the ambush and you escape from custody just it was like it felt like a gta game straight away but then suddenly you're just standing there and you just had the entirety of liberty city in three dimensions and it was just i'm not, I'm not going to spoil it now but yeah it was a game changer <laughs> massively just <laughs> yeah it was just one of those moments it's up there with like mario 64 for the first time you just didn't know what where to go, what to do, you know, you had this massive sandbox, it was just a whole city at your disposal, and it's just, it's an absolutely fantastic game. I mean, it didn't really change the formula much from the GTA games that came before, other than obviously moving it to 3D, it was still the whole, like, um, gated access to other parts of the city, missions were still fairly simple, really, Um, but 
just yeah just being in three dimensions was amazing and having voice acting as well i mean you had the likes of um was it robert Lozier and i'm trying to remember who else mm. carl mclaughlin as well uh yeah that's just awesome game absolutely awesome mm. nice um ben game changer i never played it no idea Whoa. No, joking. Really? I yes, I totally played the shit out. I played the absolute shit out of this game, and yeah, I loved it. It was incredible at the time. The freedom it just felt completely revolutionary. I was sort of aware of the original Grand Theft Auto games and thought, yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, but this just absolutely just took everything to the next level, and the the just being able to just drive around and not you know you weren't sort of tethered to a kind of linear path that i you know i'd been accustomed to through games you could just do whatever you want if you just want to fanny about for Mm. a couple of hours you can um and it was amazing and not not to get too kind of sentimental about it it's it's I, i used to play this um with my girlfriend at the time uh who has since sadly uh passed away um and it's kind of that just brings back memories of her just of a sort of carefree time of just being silly and just having a laugh and you know having a few drinks and playing this ridiculous game where you could just run around being a dickhead to everyone and listening to an amazing soundtrack um around liberty city and it was just yeah a real like it, it's such it brings up such nostalgia um so yeah it's i an absolute game changer both for gaming reasons and for personal reasons so yeah mm-hmm. 100% yeah. wow that 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 basically seems to that's kind of really kind of rooted itself in your in your brain emotionally mm. that that game yeah, yeah for yeah, obvious yeah. reasons yeah. you know completely yeah i mean that that's that's what a game changer is i suppose isn't it that's kind of wow mm. Yeah, I, I, I really like it when uh, a specific game uh, has a connection to a specific time and a specific mm. emotion in your life. That's, uh, yeah, that's really mm. nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just, just kind of hearing you guys talk about it, I, I can... I mean, I didn't play as much as Steve, and we'll come to Steve in a second, because I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Steve has a lot to say about this game, because I <laughs> recall him playing it a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, I I played it a bit, um, you know, enough that I that I enjoyed it. I remember there was was it the money laundering mission? I remember that one quite uh, quite well for some reason. Um, like having to drive a van around with money in it to different laundromats. Yeah. Am I thinking the right one? Yeah, yeah. I remember that mission well, quite. Familiar, yeah. yeah, I remember that one. But it's also the layout of the city. Yes. It, it kind of sticks in my head completely. I I know where the bridge is. I know like the little strip uh, d- down by the river um, and all the shop fronts and yeah, stuff and I, where to same, go. It's for a different... good point. I hadn't thought of that. Like I can, I can picture where the mob family live, where Chinatown mm, is, yeah. all these different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really cool actually to, to have that still in our memories after all these years. It's amazing. Yeah. Like if you plonk me down in front of the game now, I could probably go to. A f- I mean, yeah, it'd probably be a bit of a faded memory, but I could find quite a lot of the places just, just through that memory. And it was just, but the the, the good thing about it is just how well laid out the map was, mm. um, and it's a testament to city design in general in in games. I mean, it's become a huge deal for games now as cities, you know, open world games have become huge, and you know, cities have become bigger. Um, uh, and the design of them are, is really important. And I think Grand Theft Auto Three was one of the first games. 
that got that down um that, that realized that the design of the city and how it how it all kind of linked together was important and and how that kind of influenced the game and then influenced the games going forward um i mean yeah what i loved so yeah. what i loved about it as well was just the actual how they made the whole city quite distinct as well like different areas i mm-hmm. mean you'd have like what the area of um portland was like really quite it was obviously quite crime crime ridden and just grimy and poor mm-hmm. and then you went to staunton and it was just a lot more of a vibrant location and like shoreside vale mm-hmm. was like you could tell that's where all the wealthy people lived it had a real identity even yeah. then mm-hmm. and obviously the games since mm-hmm. have become even more distinct um but yeah really impressive for a game back in 2001 yeah absolutely um steve yeah, uh, so I did. Yeah, I played a lot of this game. I did. Uh, I don't know if I've got like tons more to say about it than you guys, um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those games where even if you don't like it, it is like it is objectively a game changer. Like this changed the face of gaming for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, games started to become op- open world games because of this game, because of what GTA Three did. I mean, the next, the next fucking Jack and Daxter after this game <coughs> was a GTA game. <laughs> it's crazy um and yeah it was it was amazing i i love gta 1 and 2 and before 3 came out i remember thinking i would be satisfied if it was like pretty much the same game except i have like full movement in a 3d world i'd have been satisfied mm-hmm. with that but what they delivered with gta 3 was like so much more and that's what blew me away like the opening cutscene, as rich said was like so good and they put a really great story in there um with the amazing motion capture and really great graphics for the time and it was the uh the atmosphere and the immersion as well it's something that i wasn't expecting Mm. like pedestrians would talk on the Mm. street um and if you um found some gang members like they would shout at you as they chased you and shot at you like it was just mind-blowing the amount of detail in this game and like it's a game that like tried not to get in your way like as often as it could if you asked a question like can i do this the game would say yes do that and you Mm. could do it like there's there's a you were talking about how you know the layout of the map you know if you turn left after coming off the bridge onto the first island there's an internet cafe and you can see into it and i remember thinking can i drive into that and you can totally drive into that and you can (laughs) ramp up the stairs and smash out the window on the other side and it does like a cool slow motion camera angle there's no reason to do that other than you just ask the game can i do that and the game went fuck yeah you can do that (laughs) um and there's like a car dealership and you can break into that and steal the sports car from there yeah um it's so great it's it's such a fantastic game and like the 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 police also would shout things at you and some of the things that they would shout were hilarious (laughs) and there's a police helicopter as well that also shouted hilarious things on a loudspeaker like that game is just packed full of really amazing stuff yeah um and i loved it it was great i i at the time as well i was big into i spent a lot of time on the game facts forums uh and there was a, a thriving community on the game facts forums for this game where people were f- discovering every tiny little minute detail in it uh, <laughs> to the point where you could if you put cars in and out of your garage in a certain order you you could change their colors so i had like a collection of red ambulances and white fire engines oh, yeah. um someone also discovered that so there is a plane in that game um but it had its wings clipped off and you just drive it around like 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 a car like 
like like a shit car. Um, the theory was that they took that out of the game because of nine because of nine eleven. Um, but somebody worked out that you could get that plane to fly if you did a certain like combination of of button presses in an order. Uh, and I managed to get that to work. And I used to love just flying this plane around the city and seeing the city from above in a way that you couldn't any other way. Oh, it was so good. I just incredible game. Mm. Turns out you had quite a bit to say about it, which mm-hmm. is it's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, we know from Rich and Ben pretty much now that they think it's a game changer. Um, would you say the same, Steve? It is absolutely a game changer, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely agree. It did, it did a lot. It's 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 influenced games. It's continues to influence games to this day, I think. And uh, uh, one thing you note uh, you noted there, Steve, was the sense of humour it had as well, which I think mm-hmm. is really important it had a really great sense of humor and vice city uh obviously probably discuss that next next one but that kind of continued that and I, that's where i kind of really got into it and the sense of humor in that the radio stations in vice city <sighs> yeah, were amazing um uh so yes there we go uh game changer um i think that's our second one today in fact i, I believe uh, max Payne and grand theft auto three um all right let's uh let's move on um to another dreamcast game uh, it's uh, one that released on the 15th of February, and this one was Fantasy Star Online. Mm. Uh, Steve, I'll come to you first. Hello. You play this one? I've got very little very little experience with this game. Um, yeah. I think I played it around your house. Yeah. Um, I remember not liking that there was a big delay when you pressed the attack button. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the extent of my memory of this game. I'm sorry. <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair enough. It's a memory, at least. Um, Rich... Any memories? No, of course not. I was no. very, very aware of it because I know at the time, obviously, it was yeah, the first MMO on a console. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, never a game I sought out to play. I know people still play it now on Raspberry Pi, and that's quite amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. I almost would have called it a game changer for that, really, because I just think that's fantastic <laughs> 20 years on. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. But yeah, I've got no attachment to this game, unfortunately, or the series. No. Damn. Ben, I've I have played this game. Uh, wow. Yes, yeah. Pulled that one out of my back pocket. Um, yeah, I I played it because I was fascinated. I didn't understand. It sounded like some kind of witchcraft at the time that you could mm. play this game and you're interacting with other people from around the world. Um, and I I can't recall if I played the full version or if it was some sort of demo. I've actually just been as we've been talking. I've been rifling through. All of my Dreamcast demo discs to see if okay. I actually had it, and I actually came across uh, Skies of Arcadia demo, so I can check that out. Oh, nice! nice. Uh, which is cool. Um, but I nice. couldn't find that one. But yeah, I definitely remember firing it up and just it being the most laggy experience, and I had no idea what I was doing um, mm. because yeah, obviously the internet speed back then was atrocious. I could I'd be lucky to get a game of Choo Choo Rocket running properly, um, let alone this. Yeah. Um, but I was so fascinated by it and I was gutted that it didn't work as promised almost um, mm. due to just sort of technical limitations because, you know, it's it's what all games have eventually become, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, so it's been massively influential in that respect. Um, but, yeah, I haven't had any, any proper time with it due to, you know, growing up in the middle of nowhere with no real internet, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> That's fair. Mm. That's fair. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've I have this. I've played it. You know, being hugely into Dreamcast, the whole online thing was a big deal because it's a big part of the Dreamcast. And so, Fantasy Star Online was something that I kind of needed to play. Um, and uh, I mean, the first memory I have of it is the fact that you had to, or I had to, anyway, check with my mum that it was okay because obviously dial-up internet if you wanted to do it you'd be taking over the phone line so i'm like well you're not, you're not going to call anybody are you no no okay um so having to check that and then you know kind of having that uninterrupted time um my overriding memory of it weirdly is the lobbies more than anything and the yeah. fact that you uh yeah, you went up onto this space those. station yeah and you could talk to people i'm pretty sure that it used the dreamcast keyboard so you could type messages mm-hmm. to people um and that was like revolutionary for a console. I was like, "What? The hell? Like, like you said, Ben, what kind of witchcraft is this mm. that I can be talking to these people and you know having these avatars?" And you kind of then go down to the planet's surface to do the missions, and it's um, you know it was four players, so you just had four people in a party, and you go down, and you know you'd have your sword or your gun, whichever you chose to use, and your little mag, so you had like this little thing floating behind you that would kind of uh, give you a boost every now and again to help you. Um, I, I struggle to remember the lag and I think it's maybe because I had rose tinted glasses about the game I, I really enjoyed it I didn't play a huge amount of it like n- not you know probably I could have played a lot more of it um, but I really enjoyed the, the, the big thing that for me that it had was this sense of camaraderie everybody was nice mm. um, everybody wanted to help each other everybody was really you know interested in just playing the game and, and and having a good time and it's a shame that online games have kind of deteriorated since <laughs> it was one of the one of the last pure nice online games um you know choo rocket being another example but you couldn't really talk to anybody in that um so it was yeah and, and the fact like you mentioned um rich there's the whole dream pie thing now um which allows you to uh, essentially use the dreamcast online again and you have a whole community of people who kind of play fantasy star online via their dreamcast still uh which is um, it's absolutely amazing um mm. and and the reason is it's you know it's not because it's i mean it's it's a good game but it's it's because it was one of the first great um online games on console um and i don't think it was until the xbox that we really had anything that even topped it um in terms of online online play um so yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just a really good experience. It was a fun game. Um, it, it had a lot going for it. It's, it's again, it's difficult to describe. I can see it in my head. It was it was so colourful. Mm. I mean, everything on the Dreamcast was colourful. Really, it was just such a colourful game. You know, you went down to this really vibrant planet. Um, your, your character you could customise and was very colourful. Yeah, it was just. I remember, I, I I remember you being like really into this for like a hot for like a hot minute. You didn't you didn't mm. do it for a very long time. But no. when you when like you were fascinated by this game, and I, th- I think I was too as well. I just I felt like the game bit wasn't good enough for me. It was it, it just felt bad. But I guess now in retrospect, I guess I would understand that to be lag, which I at, at, at the time maybe was not uh, aware of. Yeah. Um, but I, it was really cool going into those lobbies and chatting with people i think most people used the um like there, there, there was like a rudimentary communication system where you could deploy like pre-written messages yeah uh, and maybe like s- some logos and stuff um that's the stuff i remember and it was kind of special to be seeing other players um on your console game on the internet yeah. but uh it's just yeah it's just maybe i'd have liked it if i would spent more time with it i don't know yeah maybe 
and and they did i mean there was then they had version two which i think fixed a, f- a few problems i believe it was essentially the same game i think they added a bunch of stuff to it and they fixed some of the problems it was you know it, was, it basically would have been fixed with dlc in in modern gaming or you know mm-hmm. or a patch um but they had to release a completely new game um so yeah i mean <laughs> yikes yeah um for me though i think it, it, it's a game changer because of what it stood for you know it may not have been the best game i think people would argue about that but i think you know it, it had a lot of fun to be had in it but it's the fact that it was the first console game that you know chichi rocket got their first chichi rocket was the first proper online console game but fancy star online was the first really good online console game that kind of gave you an idea of what was actually coming with with online gaming um and for that i think it, it deserves to be a game changer because mm-hmm. it kind of set the standard um for what was to come um so for me game changer i think um rich um yeah i'd say game changer again i don't have a real connection to the game but what it did basically mm. usher in that you can't be ignored i don't spend a lot of time playing online yeah. but 20 years ago first console mmo you know a genre now that's so just the norm whether you're doing warcraft yeah. or other games that i don't play <laughs> uh, it's just yeah <laughs> so widely accepted and loved now by millions of people and the dreamcast started that so yeah, it has to be a game changer lovely uh steve what about you um, uh, it's difficult, really. Um, first, firstly, I think there's a whole other podcast about internet culture in the late 90s and the early 2000s mm. and how much better it was back then. Um, <laughs> yes. But I, I, that's, I think that might be partly why you know you, you have such strong feelings about the game. Yeah. Uh, just because it was nice and lovely and fluffy to play. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Because I didn't spend enough time on it, I think it's difficult for me to say Game Changer. But I, I, you know, I'll say a very high game. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, ben, what about you? I think I'm going to have to go Game Changer as well. Um, just for it, sort of just it sparked that online gaming thing and it sparked that interest in me that there was this whole, you know, you, could, you can play with the rest of the world as long as you've mm. got the equipment to do so. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Game Changer. Awesome. Another Game Changer. That's three, three already, which is pretty good mm. we still got two games to go we haven't had any shit yet either have we no 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 oh. shit i mean we don't no. really have that much do we we've not had that many i don't think no. what did we say sonic adventure was shit mm. i think i might have said that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right whatever the next game is i'm just gonna say it's shit whatever it is um <laughs> if you do i'm just gonna kick you out of the chat um right <laughs> <laughs> so the next game is um, another PS2 game uh, released towards the end of the year on the 23rd of November um, and this was Silent Hill 2 oh. Oh. Steve oh. let's come to you first oh. Steve what a game what a game um, yeah brilliant Silent, Silent Hill 1 um, the, re- the reason Silent, Silent Hill 2 is so good is because it, it, it capitalised on, on what people did when it came to Silent Hill 1. So people interpreted a lot of symbolism in Silent Hill 1 and they came up with their own theories as to what you were looking at and what was going on because a lot of it was very obfuscated either deliberately or just by poor technology. And then in Silent Hill 2, they just doubled down on that and mm. they there's a whole like sub-narrative in that game for the player to work out and to understand on their own it's not directly told to them but you can piece the bits together and 
uh, that's my favorite part of that game is is understanding or trying to understand what's going on in that world and mm. once you do once you realize what you're looking at partic- particularly once you get to the end of the game and you hear some proper like bombshells get dropped about the main character it just recontextualizes everything you've seen up to that point uh and it sort of blows your mind like for people who don't know silent hill uh two is really fucked up and there's a lot of really <laughs> strange messed up imagery in that game particularly the enemies that you fight and the environments that you explore um but they're it's all really well crafted and everything's in there for a reason um yeah i'm babbling somewhat i think but it's yeah it's brilliant it's really really well done mm, yeah I, I agree, but I'm going to go elsewhere before I start talking about it. Uh, ben, is this one you've played? No, uh, not a genre that I am interested in at all. Um, far too adult for my liking. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. At the time. Maybe I'd play it now, who knows. But yeah, back then, maybe too scary for me. I, I, do you know, I can't really blame you because I, I don't know that I'd want to play it now, to be honest. <clears throat> mm. it's, pretty, it's pretty messed up. It is pretty messed up. Um, Rich... Was this one you played? Yeah, I'm similar to Ben, really. I stayed away from this kind of stuff because I like my horror, but in games, not so much. I will cherry-pick my experiences. The only thing that I remember about this game at the time was seeing the uh, screenshots in magazines and uh, Sybil in like the cutscenes, and in my weird like teenage brain thinking, oh, she looks quite nice. That was about it. So <laughs> that was literally it. That's my, uh, yeah, my emotional connection to that game. Uh, that's an emotional connection to the first game. Sybil was uh, Silent Hill 1. Was she? I thought she was Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Wow, okay. Scratch that. Burn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> burn. I um, myself out as a creep, and also it was the wrong game. To be, f- <laughs> to be fair, I think you are thinking about the right game. She's got a very similar name in the second game. Isn't it like Cheryl or something? Is it Cheryl? Cheryl is also for the first game. Uh, that's it's the Ma- little girl. Maria and Mary. Maria and Mary. Okay, it's not similar at all. You're just a creep, Rich. It was the cop, right? I hope it wasn't like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Sybil was the cop. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I ranted on about Silent Hill when we talked about that in 1999, I think. And you know, Silent Hill is. Uh, it's a franchise that's really dear to me. Um, the first game was absolutely phenomenal, and two, yeah, just took it to the next level. It was creepy as fuck it it, compl- it used the playstation 2 to really great effect you know the playstation 1 as we said for silent hill 1 it was kind of there was the limitation there so mm. you know it couldn't be quite as uh, as good as it wanted to be you know but it but it made that work for it and then on the playstation 2 it kind of expanded and you know the, the fog was still there but you could see more of the town yeah. um yeah. it was uh there's just a lot more going on i mean you had even stuff like the I remember very, very uh, clearly the fire effects because there's a whole scene where there's like a staircase that's on fire and uh, one of the characters is kind of walking up or down the stairs or something and that kind of really stood out to me because that's not something you could have had um, on the original PlayStation. Um, But yeah, it's just, like Steve said, it's just fucked up. I mean, there's the whole subplot with Eddie, um, which Mm -hmm. is fucked up. There's the subplot with Angela, which is fucked up. Um yeah and like you said steve the kind of the, the the mythology behind silent hill it really doubled down onto the, to the degree that they had all these crazy um endings that you could get mm-hmm. um i mean there's one which i believe is where and i think it's become 
kind of standard now in Silent Hill. I say now because we've not had a Silent Hill game in a long time, but it became sil- uh, standard in Silent Hill games, which is the UFO ending. Um, <laughs> like if you spotted, you had to do something very particular in the game. Um, and then if you did that, no matter what else you did in the game, if you did this particular thing, you would always get the UFO ending. And it's just bizarre. Um, it basically completely changes the story of the game and makes it seem like everything was aliens yeah. instead of what was actually going presumably, on. Presumably non-canon. Yes, it's, it's non-canon for sure, but but it was it was cool that it had that kind of yeah yeah twist to it. Um, like I remember it's... the end of Silent Hill One, um, they almost made it out to be uh, a movie. Uh, do you remember like you got to the end and then you had the credits and then at the end it had like really kind of slightly happier music and it showed all of the the cast of the game like turning around and smiling at the camera like it's like a credits to a to a film. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, that happened at the end. And so, um, so yeah, it was bizarre. Um, and it kind of kept that up in two with the UFO ending being like this bizarre thing that they added in. Um, so it has this really twisted, weird sense of humour to it as well. Um, but yeah, it's the, the kind of the psychological horror genre, there's not a huge amount in that genre, I suppose. And no. Silent Hill is the, is the standout of it. Uh, and Silent Hill 2 is the standout of the standouts. It is just, it's, it's a near perfect... Yeah. Um, experience it, it kind of it, it messes with your head it, it it's really good gameplay wise it kind of takes everything that worked in the first game and makes it better and adds better things to it and it, i don't know the, yeah. the music as well was also phenomenal the music in the, all the games are phenomenal but the two had some fantastic pieces of music um yeah just great so silent hill 2 is is the best silent, uh, silent hill game 3 is pretty good too but yeah you know, 2 2 is amazing it also yeah, that game does not give a shit that it's on the ps2 it looks incredible and i yeah. I, I still think it looks really good really I, I, don't, I don't know how they pulled that off and the dynamic shadows in that game were awesome I, they were so good uh, and I went back and I looked at they still look good now. Like when you're mm. walking around old creaky apartment blocks and everything's casting shadows. Like the rooms are really detailed as well. So er- and everything's casting shadows. So you know you turn around and the beam sweeps past a table with some bottles on it or whatever. And the shadow that gets cast on the wall, it like it's it makes you jumpy. It makes you mm. scared about what's around the corner. Um, it's incredibly well done. I, I, also, I just uh, I just want to highlight something you talked about the UFO ending. There's also an ending in Silent Hill Two, or is it two or is it one? Which is the one with the dog? It's a do- I know I know the dog song. I know the dog song. This I know. I remember now. You jogged <laughs> my memory to that dog. Is that is that the first game or the second? Second. One? It's the second game. It might be the second. I've just googled one. it because yeah. I. Well, anyway, it turns out everything was all the events in the game were being manipulated by a dog at a control panel, which is. Absurd, yeah. but funny when you stumble across it. But the the way the way you get those endings as well, it's not like it's not like a binary. You make this choice, take this path. It's really the game. The game's like the game's almost aware of you as the player, and it's like watching you, and it's watching how you played the game, and then it gives you an ending based on that. And one of the endings, so basically, the story very briefly: uh, the main character's wife is dead, and 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 has been dead for a long time. But he receives a letter from her asking him to meet her in Silent Hill. So the game is kind of about that throughout, for lo- looking for his wife. Mm. And there's a mannequin wearing her dress. And he's got a photograph of her and stuff. And if you spend a certain amount of time looking at the photograph in your inventory, that affects the kind of ending that you get. Like it's yeah. 
it's just the, like the game is full of tiny little things that are just designed just to react to what you're doing as a player and just to kind of mess kind of mess with you mm. it's great it is it's it is really good um and you i think you sent me something the other day steve which was that there's the there's a bit about the staircase you go there's like the historical society of silent hill and you go down a bunch of stairs to get to it and um i, I think it was, was it you sent me this and it turns out I think that so, yeah yeah the stairs were like you just assumed there was some kind of trick to they were just yeah, repeating well, the stairs over and over stairs, again yeah. But actually, it was they just in the game. They just built an incredibly long set of stairs, um, <laughs> and there was like a, an image of it. They zoomed out and they showed it was just like, uh, like a, what was it like a seven meter long, yeah. like, really yeah. long set of stairs. It was crazy. Um, so stuff like that they did uh, to make the game, you know, to to give the game this sense of uh, of creepiness and stuff. They just went to a lot of trouble for it. Um, and then, and, and graphics-wise, like I said, it was amazing for the time, and they continued to improve. Like Silent Hill Three looked even better, um, and even Silent Hill Four, which you know, it's not everybody's favourite Silent Hill game, but that was a really good-looking game. Uh, really did a lot, you know, a lot to boost the creepiness factor. Was so, Silent Hill Four the room? That's right. Yeah. The yeah. Room. I never played that one. Annoyingly, it's, it's all right. It wasn't originally a Silent Hill game, and they shoehorned Silent Hill into it, mm. but it still turns out pretty much okay yeah i kind of so, always liked the idea of that but i never played mm, it yeah. yeah so all right let's go around um ben what do you think this is game changer game shit <sighs> well no i have to say game really i can't say that it's shit and obviously it means the world to you that comes across um but yeah game i think game is fair game cool rich what about you yeah same it's gonna be a game for me Okay, okay. Uh, Steve, how about yourself? Uh, uh, game changer. Yeah, yeah. It did a lot for horror games, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And I would, it's still, I'd say the it's same. still like very, very well regarded that game, and with yes. good reason. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I would say game changer as well, which is going to be a first actually. It's half game, half game changer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that makes it. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. It makes it a game game changer. A mm. game game changer. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, that's what it is um all right so that brings us to our last game uh which is taking us back to the dreamcast and uh this was actually released i found out on exactly the same day as silent hill 2 Ooh. Huh. so the 23rd of november um and this was shenmue 2 so who do i go to first about shenmue 2 hmm uh, ben, <laughs> have you played Shenmue 2? Uh, I've played Shenmue 1. Right. To, compl- to completion. Uh, but no, uh-huh. I, have, I have not played Shenmue 2, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I don't remember why. I can't remember if... Because I loved Shenmue at the time. Um, so mm. I don't know whether it was just, you know, the not having the budget for it at the time or, or what it was. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's I'd love to play it. I, I, I would have loved it back then, I'm sure. But I, yeah, for whatever the reason was, I, I never got around to it. Um, Just didn't play but, it. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not someone who claims to be the world's biggest Shenmue fan and then hasn't played Shenmue 2 or 3. So um, yeah. I, don't know who, I don't know who you want to go on to next. Whoever they are, they must be a massive <laughs> prick. <laughs> Rich. <laughs> <laughs> this one's... Uh, coming to you yeah, then. This one's really, really complicated. So, um... <laughs> 
By the time Shenmue 2 came out, my Dreamcast had already uh, died and got chucked in the bin and crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd moved on to the... I think I got to PlayStation 2 by then. Traitor, I know. Um, and then also I know I went to Xbox and Shenmue 2 came out on that. And I don't know why I never bought it, but I didn't. Um, wow. Obviously, I had completed Shenmue back in the day. And I since got it again, I think back in 2012. And I'm actually still working on beating Shenmue again. Just adult life, too busy, haven't had a chance to actually complete it. I'm actually currently at the point where I got stuck previously, but this time I can't clear it. Mm-mm. But I've made it my mission that I will not buy Shenmue 2 until I beat Shenmue 1 again. That and also Shenmue okay. 2 is fucking expensive and I will not justify parting with the money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've not played Shenmue 2. <laughs> it's like a 20-year... like mission of mine to actually pick it up but I won't buy it until I complete Shenmue 1 um, and obviously I know they're both out on the Playstation 4 and Xbox mm-hmm. I believe um, but yeah. I don't even own those consoles anymore so it, f- it seems to be whatever the opportunity they give me to play this game I haven't got the tools to play it so or the will- willingness to part with the cash so yeah I'm the, world, I'm the world's worst Shenmue fan I absolutely adore the first game I will bang on about it all day very get quite emotional about it, but Shemu too. Mm. Sorry, I've not played it. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> um, do you have a Do you have a PC? Do you have a PC that can play games? Ah, uh, not really. No, it's. I mean, my uh, work lap- say it's on Steam as well. I mean, my work laptop's got a decent spec on it, but I don't know about gaming. Um, yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm stingy. <laughs> need, well, just bring I mean, one and two to on. Switch, and we'll be fine. But they won't. That would be great if they could do that. I think they could. It, it work. would work on the Switch, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but, I mean, owning it on the Dreamcast is a, is a good goal mm-hmm. to have, I think. And um, completing the first one again is, is noble. And I think, if I remember to do this, I'm going to ask you in every podcast from now on, have you completed Shenmue again yet? <laughs> and let's uh, let's get you to do it just so you can buy Shenmue. bloody 70-man um, brawl. I cannot... That gave me so much grief back in, to, in, back in 2000. I cannot get past it uh, again. For some reason, I'm just stuck. Just, wow. Uh, well, if anybody's got any tips for Rich about how to get past that, <sighs> let us know. Um, moving on to somebody who famously loves these games, um, <laughs> it's Steve. Um, any uh, any comments on Shenmue 2? I mean, what can I say, really? I I liked I liked walking around. It's Kowloon, isn't it? Hong Kong and Kowloon, yeah. Hong Kong. I liked sort of wandering around those places. I, I feel like... The parts of Shenmue that I enjoy are all of the bits that I do, but I uh, but um I only have to do them once. Mm. Like it's fun to walk around Kowloon and Hong Kong. It's fun to ask somebody for directions of them to say certainly follow me, and you can follow along behind them, and they take you through the streets of Shang- of uh, Hong Kong, and it feels very alive and very like you know it's very lived in. But then mm. you have to then but then you have to do that a thousand times, really slowly. <laughs> Where everybody talks like they have sticks up their asses, and <laughs> I, 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 I don't like Shenmue Two for the same reasons as I don't like Shenmue One, and you know yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna retread it over and over again. Which is fair, yeah. That's yeah, fair. Um, it's it's weird being in the position to be the only person who's really played it in that case, and I mean I've, I've completed it. Um, Steve, did you ever complete it, or did you just play bits of it? No, no, I, um, no. I, yeah, I didn't get very far in it. I, I no. yeah, I rubbed up against it way too hard, way too harshly to carry on. Yeah, 
that's fair I mean, I, I mean, I played it. I was so sold on um, Shenmue at the time that when they released the second one, and it was, it, you know, I had to have it. And it was weird because it didn't come out in America. It just came into Japan, and then they ported it to Europe for the Dreamcast. It never, it never got um, got over to America for some reason or another. Um, but because of that, they didn't give it an English dub either. So it was only it was Japanese only with English subtitles, and it was a really weird. Like I'd, I'd been used to playing it with the really terrible. Um, English you know dub you know apart from a few key characters who were, were all right you know it was it, it, we've commented about it before it just sounded like they dragged some people off the street um, mm-hmm. who could speak English and got them to read the lines out and all of a sudden I was listening to it in Japanese um, fair enough they were no longer in Japan uh, they were in China um, so not quite as authentic I suppose still but it, it felt more authentic because <laughs> I was listening to it in the mm-hmm. language that it was created in basically um, and the voice acting just it, it works you know I couldn't understand anything they were saying but I had the subtitles so it was fine uh, but it all just felt more authentic which I loved um, the story kind of went on at a decent pace you know sure it could get quite bogged down in you having a job and having to earn cash and having to kind of train a bit to get past certain fights but you met a really colourful cast of characters Ren for example who's like a fantastic character in the Shemi franchise Joy who's just like you just met some amazing people uh you got to go to some fantastic places or based on you know real locations again um it, it had everything that Shenmue had and then it kind of it, it kind of dialed it up to 11 it made everything bigger made everything grander uh the story kind of took on a uh, you know a more grandiose theme um and the biggest thing of that I mean there's so much that you could go into about Shenmue and so many people have talked about it before that there's probably not much i could say that would be different from that um but i think everybody who's played the game and finished it um always remember the ending of it more so that because then we had an 18 year cliffhanger that we never thought would get resolved um but it was the you know you'd, you'd gone through all this amazing action stuff in hong kong and kowloon and you know you had all this hustle and bustle and all of a sudden you meet shenhua um the kind of the person you were kind of almost destined to meet um and uh, she takes you out to uh, rural china and uh, you, you kind of go on this really long walk and just talk you're just walking and talking in in the countryside completely at odds with the rest of the game um it's and it was a long sequence as well it was a good hour two hours as far as i remember of just walking and talking going towards this cave that had the the giant representations of the phoenix mirror in them and then it ends you get to the cave you have a look around something slightly supernaturally happens and then it ends and it's like oh and it's it it was it was an emotional ending to the game which was which was great but also Mm -hmm. it was this huge cliffhanger um which is fantastic now we've got Shemu 3 and it, it picks up on that it kind of completely does away with the slightly supernatural aspect of it from what i can tell so far um but yeah it's it, it, it's it's another one of those games and i think we say it a lot in the the dcy podcasts that has a really emotional connection mm-hmm. um just like the first game for me the second game has that emotional connection probably even more um because you know because because i'd liked the first game so much um, and then the second game lived up to my expectations from the first game, which very rarely happens when you get a sequel. Um, but this one did, and it, it was kind of it was more of the same, but better. Um, I mean, Shemu Shemu One does a lot really well and does stuff 
better than Shemu 2 in some regards, but Shemu 2 feels like a more complete game. You know, they, they actually, I think as we've discussed before, they, they added more quality of life stuff in it. You could change the clock, you know, you didn't have to wait around all the time. You could press a button to follow somebody somewhere if you weren't sure where things were. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else I can say about it, apart from the fact that I, I loved it. And it was... I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> it's the, it was a game changer. It's the job in that game lifting crates. Yes. Yeah. So not content with making you drive a forklift for hours and hours. The second game, they make you manually move crates by hand. <laughs> yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. I think there's also a part in that game where you have to air some books. You do. You have to yeah take some books out and walk around with them. Yeah. Gripping. Um, you also what? have to hit a tree. <laughs> um, yeah. All sorts of exciting and uh, and the ending I mean, you say it's walking through the country and talking. Wow. Yeah. Off the chain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sorry, but it was something that now. I hadn't I'll experienced in a game up until that point, and it was with good reason, was by the out of it. the blue. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you experience it, then it's it's it takes on a different form, yeah. and it's something you don't expect, yeah. and it kind of it does have an emotional resonance to it. Um, it's almost like. Um, I mean, Journey is a, diff- a difficult game to compare it to, but Journey has that, you know, you're just basically kind of walking along, basically, um, and you're experiencing stuff. And it's it's almost like it's that. A bit, it sounds of. a bit like a, yeah, a but... Murakami novel. Like, mm. it, what is actually happening here? But I like it, but I, I don't really know why. It, it sounds a little bit like that. It sounds <laughs> very Japanese, right. I would say. You know, the experience yeah, itself yeah. is is all you're there for, and what you're actually doing isn't isn't that is it fun who knows mm. it's it's debatable i know it depends on the <laughs> it's not it's not fun oh <laughs> uh, right before we come to blow steve <laughs> don't want that to happen um steve come on hit me um, with it um it's it's a game it's a game it's fine it's a game it's a game Wow, he's giving you game. That's um, how generous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's very generous. Coming from Steve and Shenmue. Yeah, that's generous. Look, I, I stand by, I've always said, Shenmue, they are important games. And, and mm-hmm. they, are, they are milestones in a way. They're just also bad games. Okay. Okay. Ben, <laughs> what about I, you? I don't know, but I love Steve. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, Team Steve. <laughs> it is, it's a game. It is a game. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, Rich? I really, I really want to be cheeky and just say like a light game changer because I, I feel like the same game underserves it. I mean, I've not played it, but that first game means a lot to me and obviously I'm making it my weird like um, midlife mission to play the second game, but based <laughs> on completing a game I've already completed before 20 years ago, which makes no sense. So it must mean a lot to me in that regard. So I'm going to say like a light game changer. I think it feels, it feels a bit too cheeky to say fully fledged one. So well, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. So we've got two games now that's Silent Hill and Silent Hill 2 and Shenmue 2. They're kind of like in the middle somewhere between game changer and mm. game. Oh, that's all right. That's good going. Um, so we've covered quite a lot of games. Um, obviously, they're, they're the kind of games that I've come up with. Um, ben, did you have any games that you kind of uh, remember from 2001 that you wanted to kind of talk about a bit? Yeah, I've got quite a few, actually. And I think it, they're all fairly indicative of where I was in my gaming life um, at the time. Mm. Because they're all... <laughs> you could kind of all bundle them into one. Um, so I've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. 
which mm. I absolutely loved. I loved all of the kind of early Tony Hawk's games, and that was a particularly strong one. I think the soundtrack, as with all of those Tony Hawk's games, was incredible. I remember like Ace of Spades yeah. being the main <sighs> theme, and just skating along like in Los Angeles or the Foundry, or I think there was a cruise ship level in that game, uh, with that sort of uh, banging out of the speakers, and there's a, there's a few good hip hop songs in there as well. Um, paparazzi by exhibit when he was you know not not a laughing stock um <laughs> was a great great song as well um other ones like ssx tricky i would throw that in the same sort of uh the same um genre almost so that sort of extreme sports over the top ea yeah it, it was around about the time it was the ea sports big wasn't it, it was the yeah. like sub sub yeah. subdivision i didn't I didn't realise that was 2001. That game was great. Yeah, fantastic. Again, yeah. fantastic soundtrack. Um, NBA Street mm-hmm. was another EA Sports big game that was, um, you know, I was massively into basketball at the time. So I absolutely loved that. Um, so, yeah, all very similar kind of the sort of games that, you know, non-gamers play, I suppose, at the time. I was just, mm. you know... Um, <laughs> And I always feel guilty about that. But the one that sticks out, and it's not even really a game, um, is MTV Music Generator 2. Oh, wow. Uh, which, God, music. Yeah, which um, I played the first one on the origi- on the PS1 and then got this for the PS2 along with a sampling kit, which is basically a USB. It plugged into the USB uh, port of the PS2. And then you could plug in any audio device into that. So you could create your own samples. Um, And it basically, this is where my love of making music was born, was from this game. That's awesome. Um, Because I was sampling, you know, from old records that my dad had laying around back from when he was a DJ and putting them into this game and then looping them up, putting drums over the top of them, creating music. And even... uh, I think the sample memory was long enough that I could, I could actually record vocals into it as well. So I was making fully like fully fledged songs, albeit terrible ones. But um, <laughs> but I was I was recording them, and then I was I can't remember the exact technical setup. But I was putting them onto mini disc, so I could kind of just walk around listening to these songs I'd made. Um, and that mm-hmm. was the exact moment where I I got into making music so that's an incredibly important game in my gaming history and um yeah i didn't realize it came out in this year this year but yeah it's and it had it had some really good built-in samples it was quite it was quite cool it had some stuff from like gorillas when they were first knocking about it had like a completely exclusive Mm. song of theirs and all the kind of stems broken down so you could take you know the drums from a gorillas track and then put other samples over the top of it um but yeah brilliant and really like made use of the the power of the ps2 and the tech that was available at the time and yeah got me into producing music amazing um, so yeah that sounds rad yeah that's very really cool good. peak noughties as well mini disc oh. ps2 something <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> God, I've probably still got those wow. mini discs laying around as well. So I'll, I'll try and dig them out and listen back to all of yeah, the definitely. cringeworthy shite that I made back then. Oh, yeah, please do, <laughs> yeah. please do. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, 
So because I can see that we're running quite late, I know that usually Steve and um, Richard come to you and ask you about the games, but if it's okay with you, let's do that in the game of the year and we'll sure. chat about some of the 2001 games there just so that we're not keeping the audience on for, you know, two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> it always happens. So, I know, sorry, there's I, just too much to talk about. I just about. had That's so much problem. to say about all those games. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all your fault, Ben. All your fault. Um, <laughs> So, um, what we'll do then is we'll move on to the traditional quiz. Um, so, this is 2001 or 2011. Um, this is going to be Rich versus Ben, um, but I will ask uh, Steve for his input as well. Um, Clash and, of the um, Yeah. Are we ready for this? Ready? No, not at all. Go ahead. No? <laughs> okay. Um so, um, I think, Rich, at the moment, you're in the lead, aren't you? I think it's something like three wins to one loss mm-hmm. now, I, so. I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. So, uh, let's see if you can extend that lead or if uh, if Ben can claw it back for the guests. Um, all right. We're going to start with Rich. Um, Rich, your first game, 2001 or 2011, Snoopy Tennis. <laughs> wow. Bloody hell. Um this sounds like wee shovelware to me. Um, I'm going to say 2011. 2011. Anything like wee shovelware kind of game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve, what would you assume this would be? Um, I, I think a Snoopy game in 2011 is kind of hard to believe. But I, I, a Snoopy game in 2001 is quite hard to believe, but that's further back. So I'm going to go for 2001. Okay, right. Um, in this particular case, the person who was right is Steve. It was 2001, Damn. and it was Game Boy Color. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so there Damn. you go. So that's uh, no point for Rich. Uh, one point for Steve on his own scoreboard somewhere. Um, <laughs> his head. It's, uh, next... it's on my fridge. On your fridge, yeah. <laughs> Keep a tally. Um, ben, uh, your game is... Mario Sports Mix. 2011. Pretty confident about that? I sound confident. Mm. You do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steve, Steve, what would uh, you think? Sounds so confident, in fact, that I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Well. Okay. <laughs> well. Um, has, he, has he done you wrong here, Steve? Um, no, he hasn't. It was, in fact, 2011 on the week. Well done. Well done. Well done. One point to Ben. All right, Rich. Let's see if you can uh, draw a level. Um, your game is Steel Diver. I've never heard of that game. <laughs> oh, it's going to be an absolute guess. Um, 2011. It's a complete guess. Steve, what would you think? Steel Diver is a submarine game that I'm pretty sure was on the 3DS, so I think it was 2011. Steve, you're completely right. Oh, 2011 yes. 3DS, and therefore Rich is also correct. Cross for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've drawn level. Awesome. Um, right, back to Ben. Ben, your game is Anachronox. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> Anachronox. Mm. 
Well, based on nothing at all, I'm going to go for 2011. All right. Steve, what do you think? Um, also, I've got no idea. Um, 2011. I've got no idea what that is, though. Okay. Um, you would both be wrong, unfortunately. Oh, yes. It is a 2001 PC oh, game. God. And that Chronox. Brought it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, we're one each. Uh, Rich, let's see if you can uh, get ahead. Uh, your game. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce this for start off. Um, Atelier Totori, The Adventurer of Ireland. Fucking hell. Um. 2001. Saying 2001. Uh, Steve? Steve, what do you think? Mm, uh, 50-50, really, on this one. 2011. Steve is right. 2011, PS3. So no point for Rich there. Um, Right, Ben, Mm. if you you don't get this right, then it goes to a tiebreaker. Wow. Ben, your game is City Crisis. City Crisis. Mm. 2001, 2011. Let's go 2001. Steve? City Crisis sounds 2011 to me, so I'm going to go for that. Okie dokie. So, the answer is... It was a PS2 game, 2001. Ah. So, Ben has it. Ben has one for the guests. So that is now uh, three for Rich and two for the guests. Ah. So the guests are coming. Come on, guests. Coming for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got the tiebreaker question. It's so we always kind of do it. So I'll get an answer from each of you for this just for fun. Uh, The tiebreaker was Persona 2 Innocent Sin. What do we think? Nobody cares about Persona. No one knows about Persona. What is that? No no idea. (laughs) (laughs) 2000 and uh, Persona one. 2 is 2001. Probably. Right. Ben, what do you think? Do you think 2001 as well? Uh, well yeah, I'll go with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Persona 2... <laughs> Persona 2 Innocent Sin was a PSP game, 2011. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Innocent Sin was a port, like an enhanced port of Persona uh. 2. Uh, trick question. Trick nah. question. That is a trick tricky. question. Tricky. Oh. I did say the subtitle, so it is a different game. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Ben wins. Uh, well done, Amazing. Ben. Thank you. Uh, commiserations, Rich. Very sorry. You were you were doing a bit uh, too well though. So uh, Ben's put you in your place. The gaming knowledge really shone through in the end, didn't it? I think. <laughs> really did. Yep. 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 Um, all right then. So. Um, let's kind of bring this to a close um first off just wanted to uh, remind you where to find dreamcast years so you can find us obviously at dreamcast years um on twitter um you can also go to dreamcastyears.co.uk um and uh, you can now as of this podcast being out pre-order dreamcast year one the book uh which is the book that i've been working on for 
the last year uh it's been a year mm-hmm. now um that's going to be available to pre-order f- through crowdox uh, there will be a link i'll probably put it in the show notes um it'll be available on the dreamcast years twitter as well for you to go to um so yeah you'll be able to pre- pre-order the book either digitally or physically or if you'd like you can get both um so yeah that's a bit about dreamcast years um also please do uh rate the podcast if you like it on whatever podcast app that you use it'd be really uh really appreciated by us uh the more votes votes uh not votes the more <laughs> the more ratings we get um the more likely we are to be seen by others uh which means that uh more lovely people like you can listen to us talk about uh games from the past um all right well uh ben yes thank you so much for coming on thanks ben uh, it's lovely thanks, to talk ben. to you yeah thank you for having me i absolutely love this podcast and it's been yeah it's been a pleasure to be involved oh. so thank you very much Oh, thank you very much. And um, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Benji Kong on Twitter. That's probably the best place. Um, and also, yeah, as you said, I am part of the Switch Island. So we uh, put out regular uh, podcasts and a few videos and reviews and bits and bobs. So, yeah, if you go to theswitchisland.com or at the Switch Island on Twitter and join in some of the fun and frolics that we have over there. Um Indeed. Yeah, but yeah, I've I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. It's very cool, and oh, congratulations on the book. Been lovely to have you. I can't wait to read it. Oh, properly. thank you very much. It's amazing. Well done. Lovely. <laughs> thank you, um, Steve. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Steve Jack, and you can also occasionally spot me uh, on the Switch Island too. And Rich? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dreamcast Barber and like Steve, occasionally lurking on the Switch Island as well. <laughs> I need to uh, up my uh, quota there, but apparently I'm still part of um, it. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. Of course you are, Rich. Um, also, just to, while I remember, um, both the Switch Island and uh, Dreamcast Years have Discord communities, so uh, do check them out. Um, you can find the links to them on the uh, on the Twitter pages for at the Switch Island and at Dreamcast Years. Uh, kind of come and join us. Uh, the Switch Island uh, has a, a thriving community. Uh, lots of chat about there about the Switch and all sorts of other things. Um, the Dreamcast Years community is a bit newer, uh, but we can chat all things retro gaming. So uh, do come along and have a chat with us. Um, and with that I think that's uh, everything for for this time so again thank you very much everybody and um, yeah until next time bye 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 bye